Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com, and joining me this week, I have my dear friend, Ali Mushka. How you doing, Ali? Hello, I'm good. <laughs> so, for people who don't know you, Ali, even though I'm sure uh, most of them probably do, uh, tell tell people where you're from on the internet, at that little fly, right, on Twitter? Yeah, at that little fly everywhere. On Twitter, um, youtube.com slash Ali Mushka. Um... That's pretty much my main two spaces. I am what I've come to describe myself as the video game personality. I started off doing Let's Plays of Dark Souls um, and lore of Dark Souls that gained me a lot of popularity and just kind of was my breaking into the industry or whatever. And I still do that on my channel, youtube.com slash alimushka, but I'm also um, a vlogger. I also do other games when I feel like it, I like it, like Fallout and The Witcher and a lot of role-playing games really and um yeah that's pretty much it I, I used to tweet a lot I'm kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus from Twitter at the moment just because it is stressful sometimes to always be tweeting and sometimes you need space just be like okay you know what I have other things to do that I need to focus on but I'm also Twitter a lot uh, at that little fly as well yeah and, and I guess and- like just known from the kind of funny community as many of us are um we're creators but we're also just like friends of the kind of funny guys and the kind of funny community and a lot of people recognize us from there just with our proximity with being retweeted by these people or whatever so yeah that's where people probably know me yeah and and knowing that you were on a bit of a social media hiatus um even though like when we talked about you coming on the show I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. a month or so ago or something and and uh i i want to say thank you for for coming on even in your little hiatus, I'm, I'm glad right. we're able to, to do this. Yeah, um, absolutely. As... This will probably be the only thing that I do in this time, just because, you know, I mean, we're friends. and But there have been, yeah, even today, I was like, oh my god, I don't want to do this, but no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't worry, I, I get that, like, every week. Like, every week I'll I'll just be like, oh, tonight's the day I'm recording with so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they'll get pissed if I just cancel on them. Uh, right. And then you kind um, of have to fight through and then, that. Yep, and like, I, no, exactly. Good. I, I yeah. almost pulled that the first week with Alex. I was like, well, I did I did pull it, and he kind of, like, forced me to, to fight through it. He was I was like, hey, do you mind do you mind if we, like, reschedule for tomorrow? I just wasn't, like, feeling it, or, like, the nerves were getting to me or whatever. He's like, right, I mean, yeah. like, tonight's really the best. And I was like, okay, then I guess I'll, like throw away the bullshit story I gave you of like, oh, my tech's not working. Oh, no. And we'll just sit down and do it. And yeah, and, and so every week I'm like, okay, don't, don't suck. Don't chicken out, Trevor. Just, yeah. just sit down, do it. Hope that the other person still wants to do it too. Uh, and, <laughs> and we'll go and we'll have some fun. Um, so yeah, uh, as I, as I often tell people, like, I, love this for the opportunity to, to get to like visit and hang out with you. I mean, we like, we've, Absolutely. especially yeah. since uh, kind of funny live too, we've become like better friends on uh, online and, and mm-hmm. like through DMS and stuff, but we don't talk ever really in person. We don't, cause we're not typically at the same shows or anything. So, um, so this is probably the first time you and I have actually spoken probably since kind of funny live. Yeah, um, exactly. And this will be probably the longest time that we're actually like speaking face to face. Cause we didn't talk too much at kind of funny live. Just because of the nature of, like, those events, you know, you're everywhere. Like, I was, I way overbooked myself that weekend because not only was I there, but I was also meeting up with other people. I was tutoring, so I was working with clients of mine that lived in San Francisco. So I was getting up at 8 in the morning, and then I was going out with different people, the bars in the evening, and it was just, like, crazy, crazy, crazy weekend that I definitely made a mistake (laughs) of thinking that I could do too much. Um, 
but it was still still a crazy weekend and uh but yeah yeah so it's the first time we're really talking a lot in person yeah in person so to speak yeah um, yeah and uh and you you touched on it a little bit um yeah, you uh, you tutor LSATs on the I side do, in, yes. your, in your completely non gaming world. Exactly, like, you so have I a have, you have a big I lead person a job. double life essentially. Um, you know, part of me is very invested in gaming culture and YouTube and vlogging and things. Um, but I'm concurrently right now applying to law school, and I wrote the LSAT in uh, last year, and I scored very well on it. Um, so I'm probably. Um, one of the, you know, I probably understand the test more than virtually anybody on earth. That's just, that's just the fact of the matter. I scored basically almost perfect, um, which only about 10 people a year out of about like 100,000 score what I do. Um, so yeah, I help other people now study the LSAT and try to pass on some of my tips. And a common misconception, a lot of people ask me, have a tendency to ask me about the law. Um, the LSAT has absolutely nothing to do with the law. It's not a test at all of knowledge. It's a test completely of your reasoning skills. So it's all logic puzzles, logic games, and reading comprehension. So there's nothing to study for and memorize in the way that you would at a law school exam. It is completely, it's basically an IQ test for a very specific skill set that they're looking for um, to go to law school. And so while there is, you know, an inherent um, you know, just intelligence that allows you to do well. There's also techniques that you can use to study and familiarize yourself with the test and an understanding of logic that I try to pass on to my students. And yeah, I love it. Um, I really fell in love with the LSAT. It's just a very fun test. I think it's a very fair test and I like teaching it. Awesome. And when you become super awesome, crazy lawyer and I, I need a super awesome, crazy lawyer for any reason. You will be the one I call. It's true. <laughs> a lot of people tell me that. It's, it's great. As soon as they figure out, oh, you're being a lawyer. Okay, cool. I'm going to call you when I need help. I mean, I'm not planning on murdering anybody, but if it happens. But just in case, yeah. I do want to study uh, criminal law. Um, that's kind of my interest going in. I think that's best suit of my interest in helping people and litigating and actually being in court and working in the public interest so that is actually like I don't just want to be a tax lawyer I do want to actually help people who have been either persecute criminals prosecute criminals or um, help defend criminals either way nice there was like a maybe like a three-month period where I was like I'm gonna do entertainment law I probably yeah. have I like I, I can debate with people. I could probably be fine as a lawyer and you sure. know, I do I do theater and, and whatnot and we had uh, one of uh, one of our like professors at ASU was an entertainment lawyer and kind of yeah. talked about like that side of of the industry and how that was kind of his in and in working on contracts and stuff for, for studios and, and I yes. was like, Oh, that's fascinating and then I was like, Eh, nope, didn't didn't grab me. So I yeah. I applaud you and uh, and <laughs> And the brains that you obviously have to do all of that, right? Uh, you yeah. you are uh, a continued inspiration in that regard. And thank you. So, good job, yeah. Allie. <laughs> thank um, you. So, uh, so getting into the show proper. Um, for those that don't know, uh, on Trove Talk, we kind of break the show up into four parts. Uh, the first part, we'll uh, talk with Allie about her gaming history, and then we will discuss her favorite game, and then we're going to kind of step into the realm completely outside of gaming for a topic of her choosing, and then finally, we will wrap it up with uh, with viewer questions. So without further ado, topic one, tell me about your gaming history, Allie. What got you into gaming from like the earliest days or whenever to now? 
Yeah, so I first started playing video games um, when I was six. So I have this story fairly, fairly rehearsed because I've discussed it on my own channel and people often ask me this, so this is the story, okay? When I was six, <laughs> I got into video games because I fell in love with Pokemon. It was a brilliant advertising strategy for Nintendo. <coughs> they had the show Pokemon on TV and then I wanted to be able to play Pokemon on my Game Boy as well. So. I first, I had a green Game Boy Color, and my first ever game was Pokemon Yellow, and I really, it was always a struggle for me to get my parents to allow me to play video games. Um, my parents are both teachers, they're wonderful, like, people, but they're just very against video games, right? They would restrict me for, like, just one hour a day, and they would lock up my Nintendo at times, so... I, first, I campaigned my parents to get me a Game Boy Color, and they eventually led into that. Um, and yeah, I just played Pokemon. Basically, it was just like a Pokemon machine. I played Pokemon Yellow, and then I played Pokemon like Gold, and then Pokemon Crystal, and then Pokemon Emerald. And then I convinced my parents to get me a GameCube. So with that came like a package, like collection of Zelda. So I first played on that. I think I first played... Um, Zelda Ocarina of Time. There's a port for the GameCube. Yep. And I really liked that. And then I played like Animal Crossing, Mario Party, um, what other games? Like Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, of course, just like at parties and stuff, we would play Mario Kart and things like that. So again, just like really grew up on Nintendo. Um, but I always had, you know, a little bit more of a serious side. I think I, like, all my friends had a GameCube basically when I was growing up um but i always maybe played games a little bit more or just played like a little bit different games like i really fell in love with harvest moon on the gamecube and just took gaming a little bit more than just like mario party or mario kart um just for whatever reason i just really fell in love with it and again yeah i remember my first ever all-nighter was in animal crossing paying off like the final loan for like Tonda <laughs> and paying off my house that was my first ever all-nighter um and then after that i got a wii and again every every time i was convincing my parents to allow me to buy a console so on this one i really sold them on the fact that oh i would be active because it came with wii sports and i would just i would play wii sports so of course i got i never played wii sports and, and didn't even touch it but i went out and bought um zelda twilight princess and then um i also played oh like mario games i didn't play too much of my wii besides like twilight princess and then i also started playing um uh, the Metroid Prime collection, they had it for the Wii, and I remember playing that, and that was, again, a taste of more serious gaming, I suppose. Like, going a little deeper than the average owner of the Wii, I think, would get. And then um, I decided that I finally wanted an Xbox 360, doing a little bit more of, like, hardcore gaming, so that was my first console outside of a Nintendo console, and um, I ended up... Again, I didn't really want my parents to know that I was getting one, so I took the bus to my local Walmart. Such a and, rebel getting an yeah, Xbox 360. Exactly. And then took my 360, you know, in this big box, just me, like, going on the bus with my 360, really hoping that no one was going to steal it. Um, and the first game I <laughs> Cause, got on Because you do there, not drive. Yeah. You, no. are, you are now learning to drive. I am now learning to drive at the age of 23, so... <laughs> yeah, I did not have a car, so I used to do everything on the bus or bike to my local Walmart or like EB Games, which is our GameStop. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, just lots of sneaking around and not letting my parents know that I was buying all these games and they, you know, they eventually figured it out. But I, I tried to keep the fact that I had an Xbox hidden for as long as possible and started playing. How did that work? How did, how long were you able to, like, keep that under wraps that you had this, this new system? Your, for a good few months, I think. Eventually they found, because I didn't know what to do with the giant box. So I just kind of hid it in my closet, like the box that it came in. Yeah. And then eventually my mom kind of went through and she was like, you had, you have not you have an Xbox? Like I saw this box in your closet. I'm like, yeah. And then they were like, how much did it cost? And I was like, oh, it was only like, I don't know, $180 or whatever at the time. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> they never really were like too angry about it, but generally it was like, it was not an approved hobby. Like they've always believed that I could be doing much more with my time. Um... <laughs> And so, yeah, I played, like, Assassin's Creed on there, I played Mass Effect on there, I played Skyrim on there, um, which I really got into. Just a lot of different games, like Fable, I played, like, Final Fantasy Thirteen. I played, um, yeah, there's, like, Bioshock Infinite and the original Bioshock as well. Um, played a little bit of Fallout 3. Those are kind of the games that stand out to me there. And then I, um, in this generation, I guess I made the decision to buy a PS4. Around this time, I also started, like, just before kind of the PS4 came out, I kind of started getting into Beyond, which is IGN's PlayStation podcast, and that's when I kind of, and then also, obviously, Dark Souls on my um, Xbox 360 as well. And so the kind of two things coming together, me being introduced into Dark Souls and then also starting listening to Beyond, I started to take gaming as not just a solo hobby, but as part of a wider culture that I wanted to participate in. So around the time Dark Souls 2 came out, I started, you know, creating my YouTube channel, becoming much more active on Twitter. And that's kind of, you know, leads us to where we are today. So I've run my channel for about two years now. It's going to be coming up on two years. And uh, yeah, now I mainly just play Dark Souls, and I still, you know, have my love of RPGs like The Witcher Three, and more recently, I've gotten very into Hearthstone. And that's kind of. I, I uh, so I, because I know you enjoy Hearthstone. Uh, have you yeah. been following any of the BlizzCon stuff? We're recording this uh, Friday, so BlizzCon started today. Yeah, so I haven't been following too much today, but the World Championship of Hearthstone starts. I think it started today. It's, I was watching that like right okay. before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I was switching between that and Overwatch, even though I don't like, I'm not an esports person at all. I was like, yeah. oh, it's like it's on. It's a big thing. Uh, and there's also a, a, a they announced a new expansion pack for you for Hearthstone. Oh something, my gosh. something. Yeah, wow. I've been totally out of it today, um, but oh, I'm you've... definitely gonna check up on that news because the, uh, the mean streets of Gadgetzon. Gadgetzon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's like some World of Warcraft thing. I don't know. But yeah, sure. the, I love watching competitive Hearthstone. I'll definitely be tuning into the, the next two days. I think the, the World Championships goes on for another next two days. It's, I love it. Like Hearthstone is so, so, so good. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, like I, I, So I had, a, like for Christmas one year, my family gave me like super cheap uh, like Black Friday tablets that like everybody in the family got one. It was like $40, nice. $40 like yeah dinky like it fell off of my shelf and like something inside it exploded like a like a um like an airbag kind of thing like exploded right. and so it like blew off the back of it and it's no it no longer works but i was able to load hearthstone on that 
because um, okay. I didn't like I never had any like an iPad or anything like that. Sure. Um, so I, when I got that, I was like, oh, I can finally play this Hearthstone thing that people like. I played Magic the Gathering back in the day, so uh, nice. so I, I gave it a try and yeah, it barely ran on the thing, so I did not sure. I did not have a good time with it. Um, <laughs> so like I played through like. Like just solo or against like the AI or whatever, like yes. one one character up to like level I don't know eight or something, and I was uh-huh. like, eh, yeah, this is just too much of a slog for me to try and actually do it. Um, yeah, but I I mean I appreciate the mechanics that are there and everything seems sound and and, <clears throat> and stuff. It's just I don't have the the interest in playing it like on PC or something, and uh, and, yeah, and don't exactly. have the means to play it on the go. So. Right. Yeah. 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 It just—it's one of those things that you either like it or you, yeah, or you don't really like it. Um, I was into it, and then I got kind of re-into it after I wrote my LSAT because I think it was because I was looking for some kind of like intellectual stimulation, and I was like, I didn't really like it when I first started playing. I'm like, whatever, this is okay. But then I'm like, I'm really gonna learn how to play, and I'm really gonna learn like the in and outs of how to play a card game, essentially, and how to play, like, a trading card game. Um, And the differences, like, between an aggro and a control deck. And, you know, the different theories about mana efficiency and when to attack a minion versus when to attack a phase and, like, all the different classes and stuff. So I started, like, look, I think you really have to, um, at this point, to be, you know, to to enjoy it is, like, to watch other people play it. And to watch, like, YouTubers play it and watch personalities play it and really get introduced to to how to play it. Like, there's this great, great Hearthstone player, my favorite Hearthstone player. His name is Trump. <laughs> he goes by Trump. <laughs> so it's kind of funny because a lot of people obviously making jokes out of the Trump. But, like, um, he's an amazing, amazing, like, just teacher. And so I started watching his videos and I'm like, oh, I really get it now. And then it feels good when you get it and then you can kind of start playing it competitively. And, you know, every season I'll finish in like the top four, the top 2% of ranked players on the ladder. So it's good. It's just like a good competitive thing that I need, essentially. Like some people do the crossword every day, right? I'll play a little bit of Hearthstone every day. There you go. Smart smart alley out there being being smart again yeah <laughs> finding new ways to be smart with video games yeah yeah it's like it's and that's it's probably why i didn't like i didn't stay with magic long like i played mm-hmm. magic with my friends um back in like fifth grade like this is back when magic the gathering came out because um, sure. because i'm old <laughs> um but yeah like uh like fourth fifth grade or something we were we would play magic the gathering it was like something he, my friend Nick, introduced me to, and we played, and like we would play with like his brother, and um, it's also like the one person I've ever played like a Dungeons and Dragons game with. And sure. in both of those situations, I was like, I don't have the attention span for this. I don't have the the time to like dedicate to learning all of the minutia yes. of it. Yeah. I want to do I want to do too many other things to really focus on like becoming really really good at this. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think that's I imagine uh, as like looking at and having that self realization uh, as we get into your uh, your favorite game topic in a little mm-hmm. bit, which uh, surprising no one will be Dark Souls. Um, sure. Like the in the same way, like I don't have the patience for those games a lot of times because um, I'm like I don't I just want to I just want to like power through this. I don't want to have to get good at something. Yeah. I want to just be able to like stay my normal crappy at games self. And just experience the game, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm like, it's, and it's, it's weird I, how there's I respect even, the people that do like have a, that kind of 
Uh, yeah, it's just like a personality yeah. of a certain type of gamer. Like even the creator of Dark Souls, <clears throat> like when asked like what game do you play in your free time, it, it was Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. It's weird, and like I've d- talked like Alex um, Aziz, who's also like a kind of funny fan. I don't know if you remember meeting him. Um, oh, I think like yeah, um, and he also is very into Dark Souls, and then also very into Hearthstone, and like we chat about Hearthstone all the time. So it's like it's strange how there's that like kind of similarity. Yeah, it's like you either kind of like the there's something about the difficulty or the the grinding nature or something about that there's an overlap between the two it's weird mm. you wouldn't think that there's this like <laughs> similarity between dark souls and hearthstone but there is. No, it's, i mean it, i think it is that like if you want to be really good at the game you have to put in the time to it I mean, yeah. it's the same it, like same with like uh mmos and stuff mm-hmm. which i just I, like i've never i like i'll put i'll put 100 hours into a game um, like Dragon Age Inquisition or like Metal Gear Solid Five or Fallout, yes. and and think nothing of it because I'm constantly doing different things in those games and okay. I'm, I'm getting new experiences. Yeah. And and even though I know in my mind that I would be doing the same thing in something like uh, like a Hearthstone or a or a Dark Souls, um, there's too much of the same for whatever. Like it's just it like I can't. I can't, like, rationally justify it because I know that, like, no, I'm really just hacking and slashing in Dragon Age 2, um, I, but it's hacking yeah. and slashing um, and having to, like, learn a, a pattern of a boss or something just doesn't connect with me as, a as like, um, I don't, it's, it's that, I mean, the, the, the real rationalization is I don't like dying. I don't have fun when I die a lot, so, sure. so I'm, I'm, I'm playing game for the power fantasy, for the... Um, for the enjoyment and like escape to a, a certain regard uh-huh. where I can just go into a game and have a good time with it um, yeah. and and constantly dying or or and and like a big old thing on the screen saying you died um, yeah. doesn't doesn't really help like make me feel good about playing that sure. game that experience and I guess Even it's the, similar but, with Hearthstone right it's like you're you're constantly yeah. losing yeah. really I mean like the best players they only have like a 70% win rate generally most of the time so at least you know a third of the time you're losing and like so that can get yeah it's frustrating to just play the same game over and over again it's like oh this matchup but and that's and that's so i mean the 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 real thing that the disconnect there for me is that because i haven't had that because i have no doubt that like when you do defeat um uh, a boss in dark souls or when you do like have a really great match in hearthstone and you win like the euphoria there i'm sure is is far above and beyond anything I'm experiencing in my like more like standard games that I'm yeah. that I'm enjoying where I'm like so I'm 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 enjoying a game on kind of a steady plane whereas like uh, the the lows of a Dark Souls would be super low, but then the yeah. highs would be so super high that... that and that's um, funny, just because it kind of describes just me as an individual, which is, like, I'd never do anything. I'm incapable of understanding, like, what it is to do meaty, like, kind of be like this. I'm mm-hmm. either, like, I'm on top of the world, like, I'm the best, I'm doing everything, or it's, like, <laughs> I've hit rock bottom. There's a very little period <laughs> in my life where I'm just, like... Everything is average. Like, to me, I would I don't understand, like, I would never understand what it would be like to hand in, like, a B paper. Mm-hmm. Like, I would either get an A in everything, or, like, I would just completely, like, not go to a course. Like, there's this one math course in the university, it was my lowest mark ever. I just never went. 
Yeah, and then that's, I just I, end up doing terribly. And I love that we're like the same person because I did the same no, thing. There's no like mediocrity. There's just like the highs and then the lows. <laughs> my my first Which year at ASU. Yeah. Yeah, my, sorry, my first year at ASU, I was uh, I studied computer systems engineering. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I like games. Maybe I like making games. And I sure. learned very quickly that I didn't want to do that. That you're like, no, no, no. And so in, that, in like my second semester where I've basically already said, well, next year I'm switching to, th- uh, to theater and business and I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, uh, I just was like, I don't, so none of these um, computer classes are going to matter or anything. And I was stupid and scheduled them super early and I'm not a morning person. So I was just like... I'm just gonna yeah. not show up and sleep through them. Yeah, and I failed one of them, and I was like, "Well, I'll like I'll just take it. I'll retake it over summer school. Basically, wipe the wipe the f away." And like when I retook it and didn't like, even though I didn't, I still didn't care at that point. It was just about not having the f on my record anymore. Sure, like I, yeah, I had like yeah. an A plus in the class, so it was just like I, I. It was exactly the same. It was like the the, the nope. I don't give a fuck. So. The yeah. extreme is out the window, or the the super highs there of of like nope, I'm gonna dedicate and and make this a good experience. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to before we kind of uh, move further into into Dark Souls territory, I want to sure. step back for a couple uh, a couple questions there. So you you talk about kind of having Pokemon as the or having kind of yeah. getting into it as like the Pokemon systems and and Game exactly. Boy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think because you mentioned later uh, talking about kind of not seeing games as a seeing games as a very solitary experience i'm guessing yes. you weren't really playing or trading pokemon or playing with other no. people um, no 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 i mean yeah. it just kind of more describes like who i am as a person i'm very generally solitary i don't mm-hmm. seek i'm an introvert like a classic introvert so although i'm very social and you know introvert doesn't mean socially incompetent or like shy it just means <coughs> that i gain energy by being alone so yep. everything that I do is just like a very like introspective solitary experience. I just love playing games on my own and um I think it's also a little bit of a cultural thing with um females in that um uh, I never had like a bunch of guy friends who I was like trading games with or talking with really about games. Um it just you know it didn't really happen. Um I remember I I got my first like friend on PSN when I was like in I don't know again I only had a PS4 that was my first PlayStation system but still I got my first like friend on PSN um when I was I don't know like 21 or 22 and he was like this is kind of weird like are you even a real person like how do you have no friends on the PlayStation network I'm just like well because I don't really I don't know that's just not what I do it's just like none of my friends have a PlayStation so I'm not like adding my friends it's just like not in any way a part of my culture yeah, um, no, I, I, so, I, I totally understand that. Um, yeah, because I, I was the same way. Like, but I, like for for me growing up, I did have. I mean, it, very different experience. I did have a group of, of guy friends that like we would play on like the N sixty four and stuff. And but um, yeah. but I also for like Pokemon, like my sister and I would play. Um, so like I would have red and she would have blue or something, and we would we would trade Pokemon back nice. and forth. So I didn't know yeah. if, so if you had maybe my done sister, that with your sister. My sister and I definitely play games, but the thing is we would always share the same system. So she would play my games. And, like, so we we didn't have, like, two of our own Game Boys. It was just, like, she, she would play my Game Boy. Um, yeah, even she she was, like, playing my Xbox today. She was playing Skyrim. So it's kind of nice. I always like when she, she plays games because it makes you feel, you know, just a little bit more connected with my sister because, you know, we would – and, like, notably we would always play um, – um, smash like uh, like at Christmas. That was like kind of our thing. 
<laughs> when the adults are like talking, we just like go to the basement and play. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah. So nice. she did, but um, we never had like two systems. We just shared the same one. <laughs> Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, also, just because I find it charming, I didn't realize the ca- that Canadians said Mario instead of Mario. Oh, maybe that's I, just I, me too. But no, I, yeah, I don't say Mario. I don't know. Mario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mario. Mario just sounds forced. Like Mario. Super Mario. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And it's, it might be because you're, cause you're uh, Eastern Canadian. Yeah. Uh, so it might just be an East Coast ish kind of thing. Because I know right, like, exactly. New Yorkers will do the same thing. We'll but do yeah, some Mario. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I like, every time it was coming up, I was like, oh, that's. That's <laughs> it's so funny. Um. Uh, so yeah, uh, and I like I'm again I'm the same way in that um, uh, I didn't have like after kind of or like in high school like me and all of my other friends kind of like went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't I lost I didn't have those like oh I, this is the person I talk games with or or these are the, and so it was very much like a that's a that's a me thing that's a like my personal kind of thing and it wasn't something I like I broadcast to the world so I I did not have <clears throat> PSN friends until um probably two or three years ago too yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though I did have like a PlayStation 3 uh, whole a whole generation of that so sure. um yeah and and again it, I'm in the same boat of like yep super introvert um, I tricked Alex O'Neill, our friend Alex, um, okay. and and your co-host partner in uh, yes. in Love IRL, yeah, which we'll touch on later in the mm-hmm. show, I'm sure. Um, uh, yeah, when we first met at Kind of Funny Live one last year, um, I had apparently completely tricked him into thinking I was like this crazy extrovert. So, um, yeah, I know it's, people. It's, it's, yeah, you can, like, it's it's you can be social. Exactly, and, <laughs> exactly. Um, like I, I thrive about... in like one-on-one stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, or like small group settings, it's when I'm around people where I might only know one person that I, that's where I like I I go into super panic mode because I don't want to I don't want to monopolize their time if they're there with like other friends. Gotcha. But yeah. at the same time, I don't want to meet new people because that's scary. And th- what if they don't like me? <laughs> right. Yeah. I like meeting new people. I mean, I'm I'm just very yeah that doesn't say it's just it's just a fundamental idea of like you know i have friends who like i need to be like hanging out with people i need to like be calling people i need to always be socializing with people because like that's what gives me energy and that's what refuels me and whereas just for me it's like i need to be alone yeah um in order to be like refueled and like feel happy um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say I, it's it's a weird sensation that I I think I first kind of identified at Kind of Funny Live too, mm-hmm. in that like it's I'm I am absolutely that when I'm here, but when I do go to events and stuff, I do like I do find myself kind of getting my batteries charged from being around other people in those settings. So it's gotcha. very like like. My batteries here will charge me so high, and then I, and then I'll get to a point where I'm like, oh, but I'm not going to see like friends, um, you know, my internet friends for like two or three weeks or something, and then yeah. like an, an event's coming up, and then That's and then I'll true. be like, oh, but then I'm gonna like, so I'll get like eighty percent charged, and then I can go out to like a PAX or something, and then I'm like, oh, and now I'm bumped up a little bit higher. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's that'll true. have to that sustain me until. Unique yeah. scenario that we don't get to actually see our, our internet buddies or whatever too often. So like you really have to to fight for yeah 
yeah, yeah. Kind of Funny Live, I think, is the only time where I've been like, I don't know if people are, like anxious about meeting new people. Because it's like, I don't know, it's like, I know you, but like, I don't really know you. So like, how good of friends <laughs> are we? Like, like, can I like, you know, it's just, it's always been difficult to navigate those scenarios, particularly because it is such a male dominated space. I think that's another thing that kind of adds to it. And um, just difficulty, like kind of like relating with people um, with with just like a group of guys, essentially, which I mean, you guys are all amazing, but it's still sometimes a little trickier to like navigate that as opposed oh, yeah. to just like, you know, navigate something that's just like equally male and female kind of thing. Yeah, certainly. It's uh, and like you and I met very briefly at like the first kind of funny live and then maybe chatted a little bit here and there, kept, like a couple tweets like over back Twitter. and forth yeah, over, yeah, yeah. over like the next year. And then we met, yeah. spent a little bit more time at kind of funny live too, but even there, yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk all that much. We no. were kind of hanging out with uh, slightly different circles uh, uh-huh. for a lot of that weekend. Yeah. And so, yeah, then it wasn't really until after that where we just kind of like, like Facebook was like, Hey, here's a suggested friend. And I was like, Oh, that's Allie. Yeah. And so I think you're and, like the like, first person for like, <laughs> like kind of, yeah, you added me and then everyone else started adding me. I think cause like, so as soon as you become, oh no, 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 I'm scrolling by <laughs> And then as soon as you started, then I started coming up as a suggested friend for, like, more people or whatever. And then it's like, oh. <laughs> and then I started adding a bunch of people, yeah, on Facebook. And then I started using Instagram more. And I started, like, when I came back from Kind of Funny Live too, I was like, I want to work for IGN. Um, I think I made a post about that so much as, like, in the, in the Kind of Funny Facebook group. And then um, quickly... <laughs> Down spiraled from that idea, <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm back. You, like you were riding high off of the the kind of funny live fumes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I don't. Again, I, I like I go too far in certain ideas. I think sometimes I'm again. I'm never just like rationally thinking about things. I'm like, this is gonna happen, and then I'm like, nope. That's <laughs> I, I. I mean, yeah, talking like you kind of describing yourself that way um, is interesting because I know that we've had conversations about projects that you get, you'll get excited about and then, and then they never come to fruition. And then and they like, never oh, happen. Well, like it was, it was, or like you'll, and you'll even like, sometimes you'll even go out and like announce something and then just, and then just, it just quietly never like let it die. So Again, like this has been a it's, constant it's that, like, all or nothing. theme in my it's life. Very... I'm like, when I was, like, in, in high school, even, I'm like, I'm going to go to McGill University, which is, like, this university in, um, in Canada. It's a very, very good university. And then I'm going to University of Toronto, which, in my opinion, is a better university. But everyone's like, yeah, like, Ali's so passionate about going to McGill. Or, like, I changed my major seven times in um, university. Uh, literally, I changed it. I declared a different one seven times. So, and at any point when you talk to me, like... I, I will sell you on the vision of my future that you will be so sold on and you'll be like, this girl knows exactly what she's doing. And then you can talk to me a week later and it'll be a completely different story. Like, I thought you were going to be like a lawyer one week and then the next week it's like, I'm going to be... I work for IGN and the next week it's like you're going to be a vlogger and the next week it's like I'm going to become a professional Hearthstone player <laughs> so you'll be I will sell you get so again that's just who I am um, and one day hopefully I'll figure things out <laughs> yeah it's it's been a roller coaster knowing you since Kind of Funny Live too. <laughs> yeah pretty much 
because yeah, you've pretty much said all of those things to me, and yes, I I'm like, okay, cool, I'm going to support people, you. Like, you don't know <laughs> how crazy I really am. Like, you don't quite understand. And then eventually, people kind of, as as you get to know me, you kind of understand. Uh, yeah, my crazy things a little bit better. But yeah, I mean. And I hate it. Like, uh, part of me hates that about myself and my inability to, like, finish projects or something. But I'm just kind of, you know, I'm trying to take it one day at a time. More so now. I'm just kind of, like, really, like, finish. So I've been kind of on a blackout. I'm just, like, I'm applying to law school. This is what I have to do now. So that's kind of what I'm working on. I'm, like, you have to do this. You have to get this done. So I'm trying to take it one day at a time. But um, it's hard. It's hard. It's just who I am. I'll just get a big idea about something and you know, try to do it, and then just, like, again, no, it's it's annoying, but that's who I am. <laughs> and in three months, we'll look back on this conversation and be like, hey, you remember when you wanted to be a criminal lawyer? That, yeah, exactly. What, what happened there? <laughs> and you're and you're back off in, like, uh, bioscience or something like that. You've gone yeah, back to that route. Because that was right? what you you finished up in in, uh, in university with, right? So I have a, I have a double major. So I, I have a Bachelor of Science. I could have declared a Bachelor of Arts because I have a major in um, environmental biology and history and philosophy of science. So I have a philosophy degree, essentially, and a biology degree. Um, my strength has always been in science. I mean, when I was in the eighth grade, I decided I was going to be a scientist. So I've done research. I've won awards for my science. You know, I've worked with with amazing professors have done essentially scientific research. I mean, on, on a very small scale, but I've done essentially what a master's or a PhD student would be doing at the undergraduate level ever since I was younger. Even when I was in high school, I got fellowships to do research um, just at a very small level. So that's always been kind of, yeah, the, the basis of who I am. But I've always also been good at humanities, and that's reflected in my other degree. And now kind of um, going into law school I think I think that really it does make sense I think I think it feels good I mean I will but I again I question it every day whether or not I really want to go uh, because it is scary going to law school law, law is an incredibly high stakes career it's very stressful it's very hard most people don't make it as lawyers um, not most but I mean a lot of people don't make it as lawyers mm-hmm. um, so it's scary going into something like that and um you know, gaming has always been, I think, you know, kind of an excuse for me to not engage with my fears of failure in, like, a professional kind of adult life that I really want, um, and it's always kind of been an out for me, like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, go, I, I can just, like, work as, like, do YouTube, you know, um, but I think finally I'm trying to close that door and close it tight shut behind me and just like really just move on in so many things because just continuously as uh, great as gaming has been it's also caused me just a lot of you know undue stress um and just there are elements of the culture that I just really don't enjoy personally I think it's just a bad fit for me um so I'm really trying to kind of move on a little bit understandable yeah Uh, and and uh and I'd like yeah I I do not do not at all envy uh, like the 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 problems with the culture that like I, I know a con- like a lot of us are fighting against and fighting to change kind of the culture and make it more inclusive and not right. as so gender biased. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's it, we're we're fighting against twenty, thirty, forty years of of kind of one very dominant voice kind of leading the charge so it's right. it's 
take it and as as like the you know the middle class white male gamer i am absolutely in that and so i like i i um I've, i've talked about this um I talked about it most recently, probably in my like my kind of I just finished my my whole like first year of writing every day thing the, yeah. the, like, the chain thing that I started with uh, from from Alex and I talked about in there a little bit about um, like not ha- having like serious self doubt of if I even wanted to try and do anything in this industry because right. I would look around and say the industry doesn't need me like that's mm-hmm. my biggest weakness. If like if I were to go into an interview with an IGN or something, they're like, "What are, you, what are your biggest strengths and weaknesses?" I would say my weakness is that I'm a white male because you don't need me. That you have right. millions of me sure. everywhere in this yeah. industry. Um, so I'm not introducing any kind of specifically new perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like for a long time, I was like, I like I would rather somebody else kind of get that opportunity and uh, like uh, and and run with it. And then at some point, I was just like. I still want that. I still want to hear mo- more other voices, but I can't change the fact that I am me. So yeah. if I am going to kind of go for it and I've decided that I am, I'm going to do it and then try and do whatever I can to bring in those voices from exactly. the inside. Exactly. Um, and try yes. and, and be a champion and an ally for those voices that, that I am, and do not personally represent. And a lot of that comes from like my my background in theater, where, again, it's another industry where very largely white male dominated right or just white society dominated but mostly white male even in terms of actors directors writers playwrights um uh and so it's it's but the at the core of like all of my theater classes was like you're learning empathy you're learning you're putting yourself in other people's shoes whether that's um, somebody of your own race, whether it's somebody of another race or whatever, <coughs> uh, you're experiencing other stories and other people's stories um, by doing it. And so I was like, I want to take that and try and, uh, in in the same strides that that industry is trying to to make, um, I want to try and do the same thing in the in the which video is game awesome. Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about this, you know, just over messages before, and like, yeah. Um, I very much agree with that stance. I think that it's good that you're fighting because, again, you would be a, a great ally, I think, for people. And um, the thing is, like, you know, if you don't go for that job, it's far more likely, far less likely that a woman or a person of color would get that job than it would be just someone, like, just a white male who has absolutely no care in the world for anything that you're talking about. So it's, you know, it's good for you to, to, to fight for for those jobs with that consideration in mind, which is great. Um, I I do, I do worry, um, you know, I've, I've tried to make myself a little bit more vocal, um, just about, I've never really talked it like too explicitly, but I do worry. I always worry about like the next alley. Um, the next girl who kind of is coming up in the industry kind of has, dreams like of being you know the next Greg Miller or whatever just gets inspired by these people and then you know stuff happens to her and like there have been like things in my personal life that have just deeply affected me just by being on the internet being a girl on the internet and I don't talk about them I hope that one day I can find kind of a way to talk about them without sounding because I don't want to sound like vengeful or like just like like some crazy girl who's just like going on of like oh yeah it's so hard being a girl whatever um so I'm still kind of working out how to how to do that but um 
it is definitely challenging. Like, it is definitely challenging kind of going and, like, not understanding and learning. Growing up a lot just in this industry. Essentially, I've grown up a lot. Like, I start, I joined Twitter, like, my second year of university, I think. And that was really, like, growing up within the gaming culture. And, like, you know, you meet people and things like that. And so it's, like, learning a lot about yourself and, like, who you are. And I worry about, you know, I worry about the next alley because I want to, like... There are so many things that I would have changed had I known, like, a lot of this stuff, how hard it is in some respects, and, like, not to get, you know, swept too much into certain aspects of the culture. And so there's a part of me that, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to run away and forget all this, um, like, totally. There's another part of me that does want to, like, convey. So I'm just still working on, like, how do I convey to the next alley? How do I best leave, like, a legacy of maybe making it better for the next generation. I've kind of been doing that a little bit by, um, you know, opening up, like, oh, if there are any women, like, you know, in the kind of funny community who, you know, you ever have any questions about traveling or anything, like, reach out to me. No one ever has. Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't either. I mean, like, just, like, girls kind of, especially, like, you know, girls who kind of, like, you know, headstrong, go, go out on their own, like, <laughs> we're not like boys and, like, you know, we don't form, like, bro clubs as easily. It's, like, a little bit more difficult for women to relate to each other because we are constantly put into competition for, like, boys and whatever. So it's always kind of, like, a little bit of cattiness that just, I think, is societally, you know, influenced. Um, and no one ever has, but I really hope that I can do something eventually to give back a little bit and share my experiences, whether that be you know, via YouTube video or something that I write or just, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it, but hopefully. <laughs> uh, I hope I hope you find, figure out what plan of attack you, you want to kind of do there. Yeah. And if, if there's ever anything I can do to, to help and support you in that. I'm of sure. course, you know, I am an alley ally. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag alley ally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any last closing words on, uh, on your, your kind of gaming history? We've kind of yeah, stepped kind a little of... bit out of specific <laughs> yeah. gaming, but then, I mean, we, we brought it back into the culture, but, right, yeah. um, any, anything else you kind of, you want to, you want to I think that's everything tackle? now. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let me just, uh, where did I go? Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> just taking a note on time, because that always makes this easier to edit in the, sure. in the, in the long run. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, well, topic two. Uh, let's talk about your favorite game, Dark Souls. What sure, what put yeah. Ali on the map? Exactly. Yeah, it really is. Um, and lots of people still, you know, to this day associate me with Dark Souls. And um, my best ever YouTube videos explaining the story of Dark Souls 1 and 2, which almost has 200,000 views at this point on YouTube, which is kind of insane. <laughs> Um, like I'm, I'm, really I'm thinking that to like my like, I think one of my videos has like 50 views. Eh, something yeah. like that. It's, it's it's a res it's a like when I when I I clipped out when I went on to Irrational Passions and did like um, the first part of the song from uh, Alexander Hamilton. I did that like really quick um, uh, and just kind of like rushed through it and did like the first basically half of the song and like. A minute um cool i clipped that out and then like that has a ton of views on it and that's like my most popular video ever so <laughs> yay <laughs> yeah yeah um no like most of my views do not get nearly that uh amount uh but yeah that's um 
I got don't know what that it SEO is. SEO on lockdown for Dark yes. Souls there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm just. Um, Dark Souls just. Yeah, Dark Souls changed my life. Um, you know, it's the reason that I started watching YouTubers because I wanted to learn how to play it better. And then the reason I started doing YouTube myself. Um, I know now some popular Twitch streamers. Um, like, I've met them, I've hung out with them in real life. Um, Again, it was really one of the reasons why I started Twitter. One of my first tweets was um, about Dark Souls and poetry, and Jared Petty liked that tweet. And that was the first time where I was like, whoa, this is weird. Like, Jared's like, he's like just, there was always a distance, right? The great thing about Twitter is that really breaks the distance between you and people that you really admire. So you can tweet something like, and then Jared Petty will see it and like it or come. I think he actually tweeted me back. He's like, this is great. I like this. Um, and I was like, whoa, like, this is weird. This is like, <laughs> you can have a conversation with people who you would otherwise have absolutely no access to. Um, so I think Twitter is awesome, especially if you're interested in gaming. It's just where a lot of us hang out. So if you are interested in gaming culture and you don't have a Twitter at this point, I would highly, highly recommend it because that's how you start making a lot of connections. And um, it's great. Um, but yeah, Dark Souls changed my life because it just... Um, got me to think of gaming as more than just something that I do on my own, but as a larger cultural art form, essentially, and something that I wanted to contribute to. Um, Yeah, I I like it for a lot of reasons. I famously, I think the tweet that has the most likes ever, I've said that um, Dark Souls is better than The Last of Us, and I will take this opinion to my grave, which I absolutely will. I think Last of Us is just a forgettable game, honestly. I have no emotional <laughs> attachment to that game. I think it's completely ordinary and average. Um, this is maybe because I'm a heartless monster. I don't well, know. Nobody's, I'm nobody has said Last of Us on as their favorite game for Trove Talk yet, so okay. you, you, yeah, like Dark, Souls, Dark Souls beat Last of Us here. get what it is with that game. I just think that Dark Souls is just pure genius in terms of gameplay. I think it defines a new genre i think it integrates multiplayer in a way that i've never seen at a game do and just so seamlessly like you'll be playing you know the the thing if you don't know dark souls and the way the multiplayer system works is um there are different covenants and so you can summon players into your game to help you defeat bosses so you'll just be going through your level and then you can just summon other players in just seamlessly it just seamlessly integrates into your level and then they'll just come in or you can have people invading you and then you can fight other players. Seamless integration. I've kind of always, even before I started playing Dark Souls, I always kind of wanted that, something like that when I was playing Skyrim. I was like, it would be so cool if I could just like not play with people all the time, but if I just wanted my friend to just pop into my game for a little bit and then we could go on a quest together and then they could leave, like that would be awesome. And that's exactly what Dark Souls does. I think it's just incredible um and it's great for people who like don't really like again don't like playing like online games and when they in the way that you have to have a party chat and you have to talk to them like you have no idea who these people coming into your game are you don't need any friends on the playstation network you don't need anything you just seamlessly integrates into your game and i think it's just wonderful because it's just like um a cooperative effort with a bunch of just like random strangers helping you defeat the level or you know there'll be assholes who will come and invade you and that's fun but there are ways to get around that um you know, you can just, like, not play online and so you don't have to be invaded by people or just not play in generally, like, there's a special form that you need to be in to um, be invaded and so you can just not play in human form or in ember form or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just a mastery. And the story is so incredibly rich. A lot of people, I think, 
just see Dark Souls as this hard game because that's how it's been marketed to the West. And I think that, um, I think if I know, if I would say one criticism about video game journalism and commentary is that everyone buys hook, line, and singer into marketing spiel a lot. It's just like, the thing is, that people don't understand is like, okay, Dark Souls as being the hardest game ever and incredibly challenging, like, that's not what the direct, like, that's not what the artistic directors of these games, that's not, like, in his mind, that's not what the game's about. That is what uh, some marketing department marketed Dark Souls, you know, to the Western Hemisphere as this challenging game, because, like, you know, it's fun, that's more of our style, but, like, there's a lot of depth to those games in terms of what they're trying to do with the narrative structure and what they're trying to do with gameplay. And very few people, like, ever really explore this um, in the West, and it's just, I find it just kind of shameful, because you're not actually investigating what the piece of art is trying to do, you're just like, oh, well, the, on the back of the box it says, you know, prepare to die and Dark Souls is so hard. Dark Souls' intention is not to be difficult. It's designed that way because the creator likes those kind of games and they think that it adds to the story, but really it's trying to do very interesting things with video game narrative and it completely eschews the emulation of movies and trying to be Hollywood. And that's one of the biggest things that I don't like about Naughty Dog and why it doesn't sympathize why it doesn't relate to me in any way is just because I see them as movies and they're completely just borrowing from that art form like Neil Druckmann I just think that he wants to you know I mean there there are movies works all the time with him and uh, it just that's not what I want from my video games and like that's just a proponent like that's just something that I have and I completely I'm not saying that I don't want those games to exist I'm just a proponent for a particular gaming style um like I'm a pundit I'm a Dark Souls pundit (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, that's what I really, it just, it does something completely different, um, in terms of the way it's trying to tell a story. It's just completely tells a story through gameplay and it is completely, you like, you don't need, um, it doesn't borrow too much from other art forms like movies, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of Naughty Dog games do. Um, like that could just, oh, Last of Us could just be a movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it, and it was a play, like it doesn't need to be. A video game at all really I mean some people make an argument for oh when you take over Ellie um, you know a spoiler alert I guess <laughs> when you take over playing as Ellie that and that is a good um, gameplay element but Dark Souls completely blows I think the last of us out of the water in terms of narrative storytelling in like just a medium that is truly like a video game yeah I mean I'll definitely like I having not played Dark Souls, I'm not going to weigh in on the Dark Souls versus Last of Us, but I totally understand, like, your side of that argument. Um, mm-hmm. And especially, yeah, like, um, I, I there's, I think because it's still such a new art form, um, yes. I think you do still have video games that are over-reliant on, well, we know narrative mediums of plays and of movies because they've been around so that that much longer so it's easy to kind of use that as a as a a, a guidepost um as opposed to figuring out something that could only be a video game experience absolutely Um, like the same thing with you know the transition from theater to film like the first movies were very much just like staged like a theater production and then people started developing like techniques that were unique to film and things that could only be done through film it didn't yeah. need to be done like 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 a stage and so yeah absolutely absolutely um so going back uh back to the beginning what mm-hmm. got you to pick up dark souls in the first place what about that game jumped out at you 
like did you had you read about it had you heard about it i think it, the level design just... um i i picked up dark souls one um right around the time that dark souls 2 was coming out ign ran like a feature um like we replaying dark souls one in preparation for dark souls 2 so we saw that pl- being played i think it was megan sullivan actually playing it um and uh, someone else um kind of guiding her through the level and first of all the, i really like the aesthetic so i really like games that are kind of take place in a medieval setting uh, i just hate really games that take place in like a modern like shooter kind of setting and I, I don't like that at all really um so I, the aesthetic just like the and then um i guess i just recognized the brilliance of it um the first level of dark souls essentially and dark souls does this all the time is that um you progress through a level and then it's all about circles so dark souls is never essentially linear um you are always making a circle through the level. So you'll start off at a place, you'll progress, slog through the level, slog through the level, then open a shortcut, and you'll realize that the entire level is interconnected. And then once you open that shortcut, you can go from where you started, skip past everything that you've done, and it makes it much easier um, to after you die to just run through to kind of the end of the level. Um, but it's really brilliant in the way that they're all, um, that it's all connected. And I just that just struck me again is like this is something special that's going on here um with the level design and so I picked it up and yeah I loved it like I never really found it I never really ever found it that difficult I don't know I guess it just makes sense to me because it's much more um it's kind of like playing chess um I think that memory is very important to Dark Souls remembering where enemies are placed um so when you're running through the level even if you die once I will automatically know okay this enemy is coming through here I need to backstab him here, then his friend is over there, so I'll know where he is and then get him there. And then, um, so it's very like slow, it's methodical, it's patient, um, which just suits my style of gameplay because I'm much more of a thinker than someone who has like fast FPS skills or something like that. Um, and I loved the different weapons, like the weapon customization, like I've never really seen anything like it in that there are a bunch of different kinds of swords. So you can have like a straight sword or like um, an S-talk, like a long pointy sword or a two-handed broadsword or something like that. And they all feel very different. So it's very, it's like, it's kind of like open um, in terms of what weapons you use. Like you can really be anything and do anything. So the level of customization is fantastic. You can wear different sets of armor. Um, and it just like everything just kind of clicked and then the um, the kind of the mysteriousness of the story and how everything is ambiguous and all the NPCs are unreliable narrators and you never really know what's going on and there's just like this huge um, like dangerous dark world to explore and to figure out and um, yeah it's just awesome it's great um, so you touched on kind of how everybody says like there's no story to Dark Souls and and yeah. how, like and 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 the fact that people are out there looking for like the lore and the story of Dark Souls and and finding videos like yours um, uh, yeah. uh, suggests that maybe players who who even are enjoying the game or looking to get into the game aren't finding it just from kind of exploring the world and 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 kind of the 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 gameplay storytelling that's there they are looking for like the, I know your breakdowns. You can you'll go through and you'll look at like the items and you'll yeah. break down the description of the items and that's where a lot of the, the story and the history of that game exists. And so it 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 re- resonates with me as somebody who, um, who occasionally will kind of like, 
I'll play something like Dragon Age, and then I will go through and read like all of the codex entries yeah. and stuff to kind of get the fleshed out backstory. But I, I, in that, I also know that I'm in the super minority of people who are doing that um, mm-hmm. compared to the people who take the story that is just fed to them. So, I mean, it definitely seems certainly in line with your character to be the the kind of digging and and um, doing that extra bit of investigation to figure out what's going on there beneath the surface of of the game but uh i mean so do you see that as an obstacle that the players should just like expect to overcome with with dark souls or like should dark souls uh, uh and games like dark souls try and be a bit more um uh like transparent probably isn't the right word but like try and give a little bit more of that story in a more overt manner or is it like uh, i guess curious on your your kind of take of that (laughs) criticism that i've occasionally seen on it right yeah i don't think that it needs to be more overt um i just again it goes back to i would just really like artists to create genuine what they feel and um miyazaki the creator of dark souls he English is his second language, obviously. He's a Japanese uh, creator. And um, he used to read stories, and he didn't really understand English, but he used to read English fairy tales and English myths and stuff of this nature, and he didn't really understand everything. So it was he would just get the information in pieces, and that's how his mind kind of worked. It's just understanding the story through the pieces and then kind of putting it together himself. So I think the fact that... Um, Dark Souls does convey you the story just kind of in pieces and in fragments. I think that's very much what the, um, you know, artistic director wanted. And I think it does give it a very unique feel, open-endedness, revealing too much of something. Um, I think especially in art um, often makes it, uh, you know, too cliche, um, too overt. Um, you know, like the story of... Dragon Age Inquisition is far less sophisticated in my mind than the story of Dark Souls. Um, And part of it is just because I think it's hard to tell a narrative when you're just saying everything because the majority of what, if you just, if you have like so much text and so much exposition, then eventually some of the stuff is going to be kind of cliche and weird. And, um, you know, Dark Souls just, I think just tells a more sophisticated story. I think part of it is just because so much is left up to, to interpretation if you start going into like, oh, I'm explaining exactly everything, then, you know, it may be a little just not as not as interesting, not as exciting. And I don't think, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a snob in this way, but I don't think it's kind of like beyond criticism to me. Like it's just Miyazaki has shown a level of mastery that it's like, I don't know, like there's just you just can't really criticize what he's done i mean you can maybe point to different artworks that you find are more compelling or more convincing but i don't think that you could oh like he'll he'll listen to that and he'll be like okay the next dark souls uh, for consumer demand i'm gonna like make a more overt story it's like nah he's just he's just on a level beyond that um and i think that's fine i think that's interesting um again the story is and you don't even need to... I, I think that, you know, you can run through the game and, like, you, not even be bothered by the fact that you don't know everything that's going on. Um, I don't think it actually takes away very much your enjoyment, which is kind of 
very interesting just because you can just run through this world and just be like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm just kind of having fun and playing the game. Um, like, you know, I've seen people um, just play the game and just be like totally blind to all the story. They're just like grinding through and they just find it fun to play and like that's totally fine. Um, so there's this other level. I think it's there for people who want to seek it, but it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be overt. I think I'm, I'm more critical of, you know, journalists and again, people who don't take the time to understand what is going on there, truly going on with the story. And a lot of people do a good job. Like Chloe at IGN um, is like, I think she really understands the game really well. And she does a lot of the Dark Souls reviews and stuff. And she's awesome. Um, so I'm not saying like all, everyone, but um, yeah, I'm more critical of people who don't take the time to understand what it's doing um, rather than wanting Miyazaki to make a more transparent narrative in the future. Uh, so my my next question for you, Dark Souls-wise, yes. uh, is um, of under the notion of should there be an easy mode of Dark Souls? Okay, yeah, no. Um, no. Again, I think there is... Again, because that wrecks the, like your kind of experience with the game if you have to like go into the mode and you can adjust it to easy. It's just not as... It's not as seamless and as well integrated. It's just here's the world, here are the rules of this world, yeah, and then you okay. can figure out, um, you know, how to go from there. I think there is again, there is an easy mode to Dark Souls, and that is summoning people and um, playing as a warrior and playing with a bunch of armor and playing with a bunch of health. Um, again, if you summon people, like summon two to three phantoms, it's still hard to kind of understand that that's what you're supposed to do in the first place how to summon people into your world and to have the resources to do that you kind of have to build those up a little bit but um there kind of already exists an easy mode to dark souls um and that's just with in-game mechanics which i think is awesome um and more games again more games could explore that instead of just having like a button that i press okay now it's easier now some algorithm has gone through and i don't know adjusted your health or adjusted the health of enemies or adjusted whatever their shooting abilities or whatever you know just make it so okay if i pick up this suit you know i'll have an easier time or if i choose like this class um i'll have an easier time or i can you know just do more things that are like integrated within the world rather than just having like press a button now it's easier that makes sense um i like i i definitely feel like that it would uh, it you shouldn't make the whole game easier to accommodate like the the people that are whining about like, like the people like me and it's not it's not that i'm whining it's just that like if it if there were an easier barrier to entry and i knew i wasn't gonna die over and over again i would much be i would be much more inclined to experience the game um, whether that was, but right. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that to come at the expense of the people who are enjoying it in, um, uh, for its difficulty. And, and so I wouldn't want, yeah, I wouldn't want the game to be an easier game, but I guess I don't see necessarily the, if, if I wanted to be kind of the person who experiences the story and the beauty of that world, um, and not just through watching let's plays or something like that, um, wanted to sure. experience it for myself, um, I don't have like inherently. I just don't have a, a a huge qualm with like yeah. Use that algorithm that just gives you a lot more health or gives them a lot less health or something right. like that across the board. Um, I, yeah. But I, I I would fully understand that the especially given the culture around Dark Souls and 
Yeah, and it would it, piss a lot yeah. of people oh, off. Oh, in absolutely. Like, um, and it, and it then does, also, it's like, how do you reconcile that with a multiplayer? It, it makes because their... the multiplayer is so seem you can, you couldn't even really do it because the multiplayer is so seamlessly integrated with the game. Mm-hmm. So if you are you know summoning people in and then you're on easy mode and they're on hard mode, then what does that look like? Oh. And if you're doing a PvP match, like a competitive match with someone and you have enemies that are on e- like how does that even work and then it would, yeah it would just piss a lot of people off a lot of hardcore fans would just be like what and nowadays i think your community is an incredibly important part yeah and I, like of, i mean i i just um, like I, of the simple work- marketing and like like streamers are the new like video game journalists in a way like more people I've, i'd reckon listen to that what their favorite streamers or what their favorite let's players are saying about a game rather than like when i you know when i want my opinion on dark souls 3 i'm gonna go to people like dreaded cone or i'm gonna say a bunch of names you're gonna not understand any of them but like dreaded cone pp person or like i'm gonna see what they're saying about the game and not necessarily what ign is saying about the game no offense <laughs> like what ign is saying about the game what game stuff is talking about the game and so not pissing those people off, I think. <laughs> Just people would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and it wouldn't work mechanically, I think, for Dark Souls. Well, I, like, I think the mechanic workaround is that you just make like with like. So only people playing the easy mode can Fair jump enough. into yeah. the easy mode. So that's uh, like that's where that argument falls apart a little bit. But it, the, the, the bigger picture and the bigger argument that I understand surrounding the culture and the, and the community around the game is that, mm-hmm. like... There is so much pride taken on like beating beating the bosses and 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 uh, figuring out the the strategy behind that. So if you make it so you know you make you have an easy mode, so like somebody like me can jump in day one and like just burn through the whole game um, and you know, quote unquote spoil it for uh, anybody else out there who's playing the more you know the the true Dark Souls way um, in yeah, hard mode. I, yeah, I totally that get that. That would go over yeah. Well. And another part of it is just, like, this is, like, we're all in this challenge together. Like, it's a very difficult game, but the Reddits exist, and, like, you can leave messages to people in other worlds to exist. You can summon people in. Like, we're all in this challenge together. And so having some people playing that on easy mode, it's like, well, you're not really experiencing the challenge in the same way. Like, you're just, like, you're cheating yourself of the experience. It would just be sad. It would just be, like sad it just doesn't it would just be like well yeah you know, i guess like, the thing I, like, is, like so we can help I'm you curious. we can help you in other ways we can you can summon people into your world and like all those things but like you don't have to hit a button and make it yeah easier. I, well so I, the uh, sorry we're we're still cutting out a little bit so i didn't mean to You're talk over you or anything but um yeah. the i get like i come into then why is like is it is it that like other games that do have an easy mode or difficulty settings are just inherently then inferior to um, something like Dark Souls, or is it is it just those are different types of games, and so the difficulty is less relevant there um, to the experience? I think less relevant, yes. Um, I think it just, again, Dark Souls has been designed very well. It's a whole package, and you remove one of the parts, and like I think it, it kind of falls apart in a way, because the multiplayer and the difficulty and the way the narrative works, it's all been designed essentially because you have the strong creative mind, I'm going to say it again, but you have the strong creative presence of one person, and the, essentially Miyazaki and his team, 
as you know an extension of him but it is really that one person it's been designed from the top down so everything kind of plays a role and everything works together and something like dragon age inquisition for example Right? A difficulty isn't really that. What you're really playing that game for, what are you playing that game for? You're playing it for the story. Really, you're playing it for the story. The gameplay is kind of not that great. And you're playing it for, like, the emotional connections that you develop with the characters. And it's just doing a very different thing. And then Bioshock, I think, pretty sure, has different difficulty settings or whatever. And it's like, again, you're playing it for the story. It's just like, it doesn't, yeah, it's not as relevant, I, I would say. It's just, you can you can experience the different way. And... Yeah, I think the multiplayer aspect, again, is, is very, very relevant to understanding of how Dark Souls works. And um, because in order to make it easier for you, you can just summon other people into your game to help you. You can just summon your friends. Like, that's kind of like, in what other game can you really do that? Like, Dragon Age Inquisition, you can't just be like, oh, I'm having difficulty with this boss. Let me summon my friend who's much better at the game than I am and just, like, have him help me. Like, that doesn't exist, right? But that does exist in Dark Souls, so you can make it much easier for yourself if you want to. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So Dark Souls versus the sequels um, is... You you chose Dark Souls for this. Is that leaning yeah. more towards nostalgia or is Dark Soul, is the first Dark Souls, like, the best of the series because it was first not counting demon souls in the in yeah the i think it is yeah i think it is the best in terms of like narrative structure and what it's trying to accomplish dark souls 2 um is kind of like a little bit of an outlier um because so from software kind of had two different teams and then like miyazaki and the a team um went on to work on bloodborne so they didn't actually work on dark souls 2 so dark souls 2 has a different feel to it um, Dark Souls 3 is the return of kind of Miyazaki and the A-Team, and it is very much more in line. It's almost kind of like a sequel to Dark Souls 1, and then Dark Souls 2 kind of does its own thing. So it's almost like kind of Dark Souls 1, then Dark Souls 3, and Dark Souls 2 is like kind of an interesting side project in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, although there are ideas that are taken in Dark Souls 3 that reference Dark Souls 2, but still... Um, so I think it is, I mean, Dark Souls 1 even, it's not a perfect game, kind of falls apart towards the end. Levels are much less cleanly designed towards the end. There's kind of two acts. The first act, I think, is a, a complete masterpiece, and then it falls apart a little bit in the second act. Um, some of the levels feel rushed and things. Uh, but just in terms of the narrative, it really, it's hard to compare it to the other two because... Um, what Dark Souls kind of adopted is this idea of cycles. So the next two games are kind of a rehash of things that have happened and been set up in the first game because um, the basic premise of the, the world that Dark Souls 1 sets up is that there is always the same cycle. A flame is kindled and then the curse of the undead happens and then um, you know the fl- fire starts to die and a bunch of evil kind of creeps into the world and then a hero emerges and then he lights the fire but is this a good thing or should we just essentially destroy the world um, and then just let everything die and embrace darkness or are we constantly fighting against darkness but also fighting against darkness has consequences um, so it's like a cycle and like this has been going on for millennia and generations and generations so Dark Souls 1 kind of introduces you to that and then Dark Souls 2 and 3 are just like different kingdoms experiencing the same cycle so they haven't really done anything new they've just kind of added a little bit more depth but Dark Souls 1 sets everything up and it is the template essentially for 2 and 3 and 2 and 3 kind of just like rehashes what happened in 1 so it sets everything up and I think it's um, just in terms of levels and bosses 
it's again everything was just new and fresh so it's hard it's hard to differentiate i think dark souls 3 is very good as well but uh yeah i think it's it's the best game um just because of Cool. what it does narratively and just the nature of the Dark Souls stories 2 and 3 are just kind of rehashes and it also just has the best level design though it's not perfect mm-hmm. as I've said is it uh, like so you say that like the second half feels a little rushed um, yes like I so I wonder if that was like a publisher demand led it probably the game to be yeah it probably was because a lot of the areas in the second half um feel a little bit more unfinished um and just not as tight and like it just seems like some assets um in some levels in the second area are kind of like not really like even finished like literally there's a level at like the end of dark souls one where it's just like it's just like you're in a pit of lava and there are a bunch of dinosaur like butts running around everywhere like it's half a dinosaur (laughs) like it doesn't make any and that, sense. that couldn't just have been the cre- the the character design. The I mean, I'm level. sure it was generally, but like, it's just a bad level. It's just like, <laughs> what the heck is this? Like, it clearly wasn't done. Like, I think it just clearly wasn't done. I'm not saying that they wanted full dinosaurs. They only got half. I'm sure some have, but like, it's just a weird level. Um, and so I'm They're sure just it's like, just the butts like, are just so much easier to model. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure it's just like one of those weird things, you know, you know, we can't all be perfect with everything, but it just seemed like a little bit like they were running out of either running, just running out of like creative ideas or just like running out of time, probably a combination of the two. But um, the first act is like beautiful and kind of flawless. And then the second, some levels feel rushed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've mentioned Miyazaki a lot. Um, and yeah. I feel like. I feel like either we've talked about this or I've heard you talk about it on, like, Irrational Passions or something like this. But you're kind of of the mindset that Dark Souls without Miyazaki doesn't exist, correct? Yes. Yeah, it doesn't. And I I, I think, I mean, it can. Um, I mean, people can try to take elements. But there are just some things, some creators, like, that come along once in a generation. And you can just feel their mark on a game. And their form of artwork is just so unique and so so brilliant that it would be a, it could be something under the same name but it would be something different like someone can take the ideas but it would never be dark souls just as i'm sure as um you know a lot of a lot of pretty much any game but i think this is a case where again you can kind of relate it to like someone that people may, may be more familiar with just like kojima um is would metal gear be the same without him and uh, I think it's just no because it's just such a crazy crazy thing like Metal Gear is so crazy Dark Souls is so crazy like there's just two complete visionaries in our industry um and so I think it would be something very different I think that like that IP will probably exi- continue to exist Miyazaki said that like Dark Souls 3 is his his last one I think that the IP may be taken over by someone else just because it is very profitable for um you know Namco Bandai and um, whatever, so they can still continue to exist, but it just, you know, going back to the artist and thinking about the artist and his vision, and I think it's, that's just something that's very hard to replicate in anyone else. It's just his mind. It is entirely him, so, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and, I like, I... I... In, agree with the, the overall sentiment, um, mm-hmm. but I also wouldn't, like... I. I guess I'm probably, like, too 
So I'm I'm fascinated with, especially in our culture these days, with people who were fans of a thing getting to now create that thing, becoming like okay. becoming the the people who are now making the things that they were fans of. Um, so like sure. one of one of the best examples I, I often point to in this is like. Um, uh, when Jason Siegel did the Muppets uh, movie and, okay. and brought them back, he was a huge fan of the Muppets growing up, and like that was like right. a dream project for him to work on. And his passion and love for that tapped into what made it special in in like the first place, and so it was like the first good Muppets movie we got in decades. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And I so I think that people that that intimately know a product like that um, can take it and build on it it's i think it's possible i think there are just as many examples out there i'm sure where you're going to see something that like especially in like reboot driven culture where um you get the wrong people attached to a project and it fails miserably but i would say that i think there are instances out there that that we can maybe point to um uh and say oh like somebody who um like somebody who grew up and and now has like dark souls in their blood um, That's as, a good point. as a gamer, could take that and say, "This is what makes Dark Souls great." So I wanna, I wanna make something in that same spirit. And they might not do it in the Dark Souls name, but they might kind of somebody might make a better Dark Souls um, because they tap into that and bring a new idea to it as well. Um, so that's, that's a very good point. That's certainly yeah. something that fascinates me. And if they were given like the reign to do it on like in in FromSoft or something if if right. I mean even even the people within FromSoft if you know uh, Miyazaki's like second in command or something um, yeah. took it on and is intimately familiar with it but because he's not the name he's not Miyazaki it, he doesn't have the recognition behind him um, he sure. could still have just as much um, passion and drive to make it a great experience. Mm-hmm. And in a way, um, I guess that's what so Dark Souls... I wouldn't want to, like, write that's them That's what Dark Souls 2 was, right? It had a different creator. It's probably someone, like, mm-hmm. you know, very close to Miyazaki, and it was good. Um, but it's widely recognized as kind of the weakest in the series. But it's still, yeah, still an amazing game. Um, but you're right. You're yeah. right. That's a very good point, and it does... I hope... I, I think you're right. You shouldn't be too cynical, because there are people who are growing up with Dark Souls, and there are people who are going to make the next Dark Souls, whether it's literally the next Dark Souls or kind of a different iteration. So, there are going to be other geniuses who are, you know, taking just needs to be a, a, I don't know, just a special kind of person um, to make art at that level, I think. And we just, I think at the end of the day, you kind of have to be open and honest about it that it's not just about like putting your best foot forward and like, I'm going to make it. You really have to be gifted in a certain way in game design and in. Um, just like just in literature and you're just understanding how to tell a story and all that kind of thing it all has to come together in this one um, brilliant person and I don't think that comes around every day right I think there's a very small percentage of people who can actually accomplish something like that and I think you're right one day the next Dark Souls will be made by someone who's equally as um, and again not literally the next Dark Souls could be a different name but someone who will be inspired by Dark Souls will make the next big thing but it may not come you know in the 2020 release of Dark Souls 4 by Bandai Namco, you know? Yeah. 
And and as 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 we're talking, I'm also immediately thinking of like the complete opposite end of my argument in that like Randy Pitchford worked on the original Duke Nukem and insisted on bringing that back and it was a big old garbage fire. So yeah. like passion passion doesn't always do it is uh is, exactly. is what I'm realizing. It's, it's, so, I mean, yeah, unfortunately yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Um well great. Any uh, any final thoughts, any parting wisdom as to like give give people the the pitch on why they haven't played Dark Souls, like, they're, if they're an idiot like me, why they should suck it up and play Dark Souls. Yeah, um, you know, don't fall into the... Don't be too scared of the fact that it's sold as one of the most difficult games of all time or whatever, and then you might see Let's Plays of people, you know, banging their heads and, um, you know, just be like, oh, this is so tough. Um, forget those. I can give you my pitch, but I'm going to just refer you to someone who has inspired me to play Dark Souls and is kind of, I see him as just one of my mentors, even though we've never actually met. We've spoken briefly over Twitter, but like I hope to actually speak to him one day. Um, his name is Epic Namebro, and he's kind of like an OG in the Dark Souls community. And watch a little bit of his Let's Play of Dark Souls one and he just has such an understanding of what the game is trying to do and conveys it in such a great way i think um that's a great introduction i recommend that everyone who's interested in dark souls go check him out um play the game along with him if you're kind of if you dive in and you find it difficult and he will you know kind of explain the beauty of the game and just the understanding of it um it really is a truly rewarding experience and i think there is something in it honestly for everyone whether you just like really fun gameplay um, or whether you like really great storytelling, there is something there for you. Um, just don't expect it to be given to you easily. Um, it's kind of like reading good poetry, right? Um, it doesn't hit you over the head with this narrative, but it's it's there and it's been designed by kind of a brilliant person in such a way that you just have to, you know, work through it and read it a little bit more. Um, but use Epic Name Bro as your guide or my own videos, but I don't have one for Dark Souls 1, so use him for that and... Um, yeah, just give it give it another go, or just give it a go. Um, it's beautiful, and you're depriving yourself, I think, of a really beautiful experience to not at least try. Cool. Well, thank you for, for giving me the rundown on Dark Souls and, and discussing some of my, as a, as a non-Dark Souls player, some of my um, mm -hmm. uh, views on, on the game from the outside. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, topic three... Um, uh, up front, we've been having some some technical like hiccups and whatnot. Uh, so Allie has moved. So when when we cut to her in a second, you're going to see her in a in a new location, and and she put on a little sweater or two. It looks like so. Uh, so uh, topic three, um, Allie, you wanted to talk about politics, right? Sure. Yeah. Which is quite fitting because. Um, God willing, the day this at this part of the episode airs would be Wednesday, the day after the big presidential election here in the states. Um, and fingers crossed, we are welcoming President Hillary Clinton into the White House and not Trump. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I love I love that you wanted to talk about politics about this because you are uh, certainly one of the the most outspoken. Um, uh, political proponents that I see on uh, in my feed on on Twitter and and in social media, um, and I love it because you're Canadian and are more informed than myself, I'm sure, and <laughs> ninety nine percent of Americans that are going to actually yeah. be voting. Uh, I know. Uh, for a little the, in this weird. 
It's a little strange. I mean, people probably don't even realize that I'm Canadian because I'm constantly tweeting about like my friends in the states and U.S. politics. But yeah, I'm not. I can't even vote in your country, and yet I follow um, your election process religiously. Um, I think it's just because I don't know Canadians. I think a lot of Canadians are like that. I think a lot of us. Um, even understand the American political system better than we do the Canadian system just because your media is such a huge it's it's very entertaining um, watching CNN compared to watching Canadian news our news isn't as flashy it's not as exciting it's not as ridiculous um, it's just kind of very calm and stable and not very entertaining like I think our biggest story for a while here has been like um, an American actor who lives in Toronto is rumored to be dating Prince Harry. And that is big news for us. We got all our journalists trying to figure out if they're really dating. We're investigating our Instagram. Like, I've been seeing this all the time. Like, oh my God, do we not have... And there's also well, a little Well, you guys had the... Uh, time, it, was, but, it was a big uh, scandal um, on in our media, at least, was uh, uh, Rob Ford. Is that... Am I remembering yeah, correctly Yeah, that name? was one time where, like, a Canadian mayor really, like, hit the mainstream. You guys had your own Trump. He was, yeah, in, in a way, although, yeah, a little more, even, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, equally crazy, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm very interested in U.S. politics, um, just because, again, they are so influential, and I don't, a lot of you guys kind of tell me, like, oh, maybe I should pay more attention to Canadian politics, and I'm like, it's really all right, um, just because, you know, the states is um, the world's biggest superpower. And so I think it's important that we kind of all, in some respects, pay attention to what's going on in the United States, just as I think you should pay attention to what's going on in Russia and um, with their relations and what's going on with China, just because it it, af- it affects more than just the United States, whereas Canadian politics is very just, it's, it's internal. It really only affects kind of what's going on in our country, though. I mean, there's nothing wrong with learning about other countries. And I think if you want to understand like what other countries are doing well, for example, I, I do wish in, in many respects that more Americans would take a hard look at Canadian healthcare, for example, and um, see what's working there because we do have universal healthcare and it does work very well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've never had to really pay for, for a doctor. So it's nice, um, it's nice knowing so, that we only have to worry about Justin Trudeau being the hot prime minister. And yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all we need to care about. Cause, yeah, exactly. Because us Americans, yeah, we're not going to... We're not going to invest in in really delving too much deeper into <laughs> into right. anything non American because America, <laughs> um, which is I mean that it, like I joke about it, but it is a frustrating and I like I'm 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 just as much a victim to it in that I like when the like when um, your guys' elections are coming up, um, I'll see it in in our news occasionally if if there isn't a big story going on on our end of the world. Right. I'll see it. So yeah, like I like I remember following a little bit um uh Trudeau. Um but even that like my um entry point was basically through like John Oliver talking about it on last week tonight or sure. something and yeah. do, doing him doing an extended segment on kind of hey, this is what your neighbors to the north are like voting on and it's important right. for them, so you should yeah. probably be, you know, good neighbors and know what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, I totally I mean, I I totally get that that yeah. perspective of um the and and I see it intensely in the face in the kind of funny Facebook group um, because we have um, you know people going crazy with political posts and stuff and then we have such a a large non-American audience that are constantly coming in being like I don't like 
many being like, I don't know what the hell's going on. What is wrong with you people? Uh-huh. And then others who are trying to be informed and, and aware of, um, uh, like, America's place on the world stage because we do kind of occasionally act as, like, the world policemen. Yeah. Um, and so what we do certainly does affect most of the rest of the world. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah, we're not, we're not quite, uh, we're, we're, we're certainly not as isolated as certain aspects and certain political parties would like to wish we were. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, but how, so, and you've, you volunteered in, in, uh, in the political realm on, in, I have, on yeah, I worked on Justin Trudeau's campaign for the leader of the party that he was eventually elected, uh, prime minister as. So, so yeah, I worked on his campaign in, in downtown Toronto, making phone calls and running, uh, the phone helpline for voters. And I met him. Um, it was, it was great. It was awesome. It was when I, first kind of decided that I wanted to do more than just science. I wanted to kind of start pursuing, you know, law and politics. And so, so I worked on his campaign. It was great. Nice. Um, what, like, um, what kind of, I, I mean, I assume you did that as you line up more politically. Um, so yes. you kind of went to his side of the, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the, the aisle. Um, but so what, like, how did that go? I guess, um, how did you, how did you, take those steps to get more involved? Uh, it was uh, it was fairly easy because um, I just said the virtue of the, the college that I am at. Um, I had a lot of friends who are very well connected. Uh, for example, uh, one of my close friends of someone who was dating at the time, his mother was a member of par- parliament. So, you know, I just, there's just a lot of connections that the young liberals at, at our college is populated a lot with people from my college, specifically at a university from people, my college and um, someone was just like, Hey, we're looking for interns at Justin Trudeau's campaign. And so I Facebook messaged someone and then a day later got the call that I was working there. Um, so it was kind of just like a very easy connection. It's like, oh, I'm working there the next day. So then I was like, okay, <laughs> just go into the office <laughs> and start working. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah the, the closest I ever got was uh, in high school, um, pretty much because I, was, I had a crush on a girl, I got involved in the Teenage Republicans. Okay. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is before I cared about really politics. Sure. Um, I mean... Though at the time this was this was two thousand, so like we had John McCain, who's our uh, our state senator, one of our state senators, and he was running um, in the primaries up, up against George uh, W. Bush, um, and so on that side of things, I I ultimately still would have lent leaned towards Gore, and and I wasn't able to vote then, um, but uh, like in the in the primary run up, I much preferred like McCain to. Um, uh, to a uh, to a, a Bush at the time because he was right. that was in the days where like John McCain was more of a, a maverick senator so he he yeah. did kind of play more down the middle aisle or he would go across the aisle and work with with both parties as opposed to the hyper politicized partisan politics that we now kind of stuff suffer from here in, in yeah the McCain is a far better candidate than than what we currently have he, he, <laughs> what you currently yes have. but even he like when he when he ran in in 2008 he yeah leaned into the same kinds of crowds that that Trump kind of relies on so that's where he definitely lost me even at like oh I, yeah I, I mean associating I, with Sarah Palin it was just I mean anybody else just, uh, like aside from Obama I probably would have considered McCain still had McCain stayed more 
centralist than um, than the the kind of the right fringes that he he played he, up to. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that so many of, of the the uh, the Republican Party are somewhat forced to play up to now to get just get through the primary process, um, which is frustrating. But hopefully. One of these days, they completely have to realize they got to do something new. Because, um, like, I grew up in a very Republican, conservative, fiscally conservative, socially liberal family. Uh-huh. Um, and me being the social liberal, uh, and, and like, I'm still somewhat fiscally conservative, but uh, the social liberalness outweighs all of that. So I'm, like, one of the black sheep of the family. Um, so, sure. like, my, my parents, I don't know if they ended up voting for Trump um, uh, or if they went third party or just abstained um uh but like i know my grandfather and i who's hardline conservative um mm-hmm. uh even in the even though in the primary process um we were talking about how ridiculous it was that trump was was where he was and my my he was he was looking at people like carly fiorina or something as kind of who he would have preferred or john Kasich, um and then uh i haven't i i we're having a my family is having like a. My parents are going on a cruise, so we're gonna we're not gonna have like family Thanksgiving together here uh, in in late November as we Americans do. Um, yeah. So we're actually having it next week. We're having it early um, while okay. everybody's still in town, and so it's the first time I'm going to have talked to my grandfather in months, um, and I'm not looking forward to whatever the outcome is right. <laughs> and having and having to kind of dive down the political well with him, and that's mm-hmm. only because. Um, he has all day to sit and and read politics and read news, and I don't have that luxury to sure. to educate myself as much as I would like. I um, uh, like I I'm certainly one of the more informed members of my family and among mm-hmm. my friends, but even that, I'm like I I take a measured approach. So if somebody comes at me and says blah 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 here's this crazy policy and i don't know enough to comment on the policy i'm going to say well let me do the research and get back to you on it um because i'm not going to fly off the cuff and not respond to something i don't have all the information on whereas my grandfather will just like he will just spout whatever he hears kind of off of like a fox news or something like that yeah and it it becomes like a bombardment of overwhelming often racist rhetoric (laughs) and i'm like i can't i'm not I could respond to this, but I'm not going to do it because it would be a passionate response, and I want to stay in the will. Um, <laughs> so th- those are like the obstacles I I find myself running into. Sure. Um, but I certainly do, like you and I, um, uh, a lot through the uh, through the debates would like be live tweeting um, yeah. kind of our responses to the debates, and that was certainly one of the 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 things that stood out um, in, in our interactions in recent months, because yeah, like you're, you're tweeting things out basically like right before I could say the exact same thing. And I'm like, good for Allie because like she has, she has no direct horse in this race, but she knows more than um, half the people that are going to vote easily. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) uh, so what, like uh, outs, is it, are you like a student of, of politics and you, you, uh, that you just want to kind of be um, first in what's going on, or is it like out of necessity because you know how much we do kind of rely on things? Yeah, I guess I've just always been 
driven this is kind of coming from i'm writing my law school personal statement so i'm really going back into my history and really thinking about what motivates me and what are my thoughts and what are my philosophies that have motivated me and i've always been driven generally by the pursuit of truth and justice so um you know i believe that truth naturally precedes the administration's justice so if we want to have a just society then we need to know and we need to understand as much as possible so understanding as much of the political process as possible is necessary in order to combat things that are ugly and gross and nasty and you arm yourself with the knowledge and then you use that understanding to deliver an informed critique as you were talking about it's I'm shocked I'm continuously shocked by the amount of people who just take facts or take you know things that politicians say at face value it's probably one of the worst things that you can do um or just what the media tells you or whatever it's just I'm, I'm shocked by the amount of people who just parrot facts and or just say you know I I don't like Hillary's tax policy or whatever without actually ever looking at her tax policy and just repeating what people are telling you um so arming yourself with that knowledge and then using that to combat the ugliness that can come from it i think i've just always been driven by so it is is a necessity and the fact that i don't know it's just it's just part of my soul it's just part of who i am as a human um it's why i studied science in school it's just continuously trying to understand things and gain knowledge and then to use that for the betterment of people and a lot of people are really impacted by what politicians do and i think we we always think of and another part of me you know is is really advocates for the fact that i think that democracy is what happens in between elections and i think that elections are generally a show and that in order for real change to happen people need to I mean, vote, sure, but don't think that just by voting you are actually contributing that much because you're not. Um, the real contributions come from continuously fighting for structural reform and structural changes and for changes, you know, for, for black people, particularly in America, is one issue that's just the treatment is horrible right now, and I think we need to continue fighting for that no matter who is elected. Um, so continuously informing ourselves on what people do and holding people accountable. I mean, people spend, spend far too much time, I think, worrying about tweeting something you know getting angry at like even video game developers like just why do you waste so much time tweeting shit at people in the video game industry or celebrities or whatever why why are you so obsessed with what justin bieber is doing and shit talking him whereas like trump or clinton or something they're running for the highest office you should know what they're doing and you should criticize them at every step in order to get real change for real people because at the end of the day um as much as politics is kind of a broken system that is the only system that is actually doing things that are really impacting you so laws are being passed and things are actually happening there i mean it's happening very slowly and in a very inefficient way but nowhere else you writing a tweet or you writing a Facebook message, I think this is kind of like what you said, that's not like that's not changing anything. That's not actually voting. That's part of staying informed. It's a very important part of staying informed. But at the end of the day, the laws are being passed by these crazy people that we've essentially let in and that are now like running, running things. And so you always need to watch these people and to be informed in the process. And it's just, I'm weird in that I'm just very driven by my ideology I'm very ideologically driven, so I'm very driven by these philosophies, and that is what I work towards, and that is what I strive towards, and it's just a fundamental part of my psyche, and so that's why I do it. Nice, uh, yeah. The the I love the the sentiment of um, democracy being in between elections, um, especially because one of the most frustrating um, uh, things 
living in the American system is that um, everybody just puts everything on the presidency. Um, and right. it's not, it's like, it's, it's, that's one, one person. Um, yes, they, they admittedly are like the one person of one of the three branches, but that's also of the federal government. So you also need to be active in your local politics, your city, state um, politics Absolutely. and, and, yeah. and the, the congressional and, and senatorial races, which that's where um, like uh, the, one of my favorite pieces that I've seen in this whole election cycle was um, a, a, like a, 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 a couple segments that Samantha B did on her new show, basically talking about how um, the most important election was back in 2010 because we got Obama and then everybody became complacent. And yeah. in, in the States, uh, the 2010 election, Republicans came in and swept a whole bunch I of stuff, yeah. and they they took um, they and took they a got lot control. of uh, yeah. state houses and they took a lot of governorships because yeah. um, Democrats historically have significantly lower turnout in like midterm elections. And the problem with doing that in 2010 is that every 10 years is when our census updates, and that's when all the districts are redrawn. So now everybody like the the system has across so many of our states been like gerrymandered and and. And in many ways, the rigged system that Donald Trump continues to rail on about yeah. is is not rail, rigged in the favor that he thinks it's rigged in. Yeah. It's, it's it's rigged in the Republicans' it's favor it um, is. because yeah. they were kind of in power when things got redrawn and, and districts got redrawn. So they were able to kind of draw the maps to their liking. Exactly. Um, and so now so many more um, are like so many more districts are safe districts for them and now we've got just that kind of level of incumbency sure. amped up because of something like that. And it was because people, we, we were talking a little bit before we started um, recording. I saw um, a show last night called the Trump card about like the life of Donald Trump and, uh, and, and his celebrity and where he's at now. And a big feeling of it was the fact that like, as it's, it's speaking to a, a liberal audience because it knows you're in the theater and that is typically a liberal audience. And so it's speaking truth to that audience of, hey, you guys were complicit in this, most likely. You know, you might, sure, you might have been active or, or you might have done something, but you, you like, sat by and watched a lot of this happen. Um, and, and that is something that, had, that really resonated with me in, in that show um, because, I, yeah, I think about, like, the 20... Um, the the 2000 let's see 2004 was my first election that I could vote in and I have voted in every election since then um uh including like the midterms and and whatnot because um I, I, like I'm fortunate in that I live in an area where like my um like I I am in a, like a liberal pocket of um the Phoenix area so my candidates are also winning um and I'm not right. like in a swing position where sure. I can yeah. I can like sway things one way or the uh -huh. other um but I, I like I'd still I like I want to keep it that way so I know I need to stay active and, and vote for those people um uh, -huh. uh and so yeah it's it but it's it's that mentality of um even that like even between those elections calling um congressmen or senators and saying hey please vote for this act and and like knowing um, what's going on. And that's where I admittedly fall short. Um, one of my friends that, that you and I have talked about a little bit through, through instant messaging, a friend of mine, Rachel, um, who you are 
you are like <laughs> so weirdly in sync with one another at times right um uh that that you're, you're basically like she's your american doppelganger um <laughs> and she like she's super active and will like she would tell me and be like hey like if if you don't mind if you're not doing anything like call your your state representative and just That's tell awesome. them to That's to, to yeah co-sign this bill or and whatnot and i'll, I'll be like okay awesome. sure like I'll, I'll do a little bit of research first to make sure it is something that i that like, you yeah. <laughs> actually want and yeah. it'll be something like hey we want to give like s- support to uh like we want to give like food uh support in africa oh yeah that's a good thing i, I want to sure. go ahead and support that yeah. um so like i'll call up my representative and say uh, just a quick like message because if you call they have to actually like log it and it has to go right. somewhere yeah um, i mean it, it matters yeah the people have immense power it's just i don't think that we really realize it or really know how to use it and it's in politicians vested interests or at least some of their vested interests to keep it that way um you know especially you know there's a whole thing like like you're talking about gerrymandering and just like not allowing making it much harder for people to vote so they don't have the proper identification and then people can't vote like it's just it's hard i mean we have these huge systems operating very abstractly and people want change people want things to work donald trump is not that change Um, even though he's selling himself as that change, as the outsider. And for people who are not inclined to vote for Clinton, again, going back to the fact that it's not just the presidency, this election is just as much about the Supreme Court, I think, as it is about the presidency. And it's about that next nominee and who that nominee is going to be. And that will really sway a lot of decisions. Um, If you have an understanding of how the Supreme Court works, you know, voting in different justices and their political alignments really matter and so having a democratic nominee for the supreme court really matters so it's not just about clinton it's about the platform and it's about also the supreme court so i would encourage everyone who doesn't like clinton but are still generally you know you know pro um what the democrats usually stand for to consider those two issues as well yeah Certainly. And uh, 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 as I touched on at the beginning, by the time this is going live for anybody, oh, really? That's it's true. too late. <laughs> Never <laughs> you, mind. You've doomed us all, but... Uh... <laughs> so you should have considered, and the next time consider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, absolutely. My my concern, my frustration, and I, like, uh, there there is a sense of helplessness in... Like, I, I totally get where people who are disenfranchised with the system... Absolutely. And feel that the poli- that that the political parties and the political gridlock have have ruined things. I like I feel that too. And even like in the reality of my day to day, especially as a, 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 a like a white privileged male, my my life is not routinely affected negatively or positively um, by sure. by the the day to day workings or failings of the government. Um, but I, again, going back to like the empathy note, I, I can have a, I'll have a debate with my family when we're talking about like the Black Lives Matter movement and I will try and break through my parents, um, uh, implicit, not malicious racism, but it's their, 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 their institutional biases. And I will say I can walk down the street in a hoodie and I don't have to worry about getting shot. I don't have to worry about that at all because of the complexion of my skin, whereas other people do. And that is something that I think 
this country needs to acknowledge and work to correct. And and the fact that they'll sit there and say, um, well, no, there's more gangs in Phoenix. Um, there, there's more white gangs in Phoenix or something. They'll, they'll spout something, um, a very micro-level argument at me, and I will try and constantly combat and, and say, that's the very smallest of pictures in a wide spectrum. Yes, of course most of the gangs in Scottsdale are white, because most of Scottsdale is white. That doesn't, like, your argument kind of falls flat there. I'm also not going to get shot in Scottsdale. Um, right. So, so it's it's not, a, whether I'm wearing a hoodie or not, it's not something I, like, it's, I'm, a, I'm absolutely in a point of privilege where I don't have to worry about that, but again, like our, our conversation kind of in the, in the gaming culture, um, I am empathetic to, uh, to the, the movements that do have to deal with that. I, like, I remember it was one of the most surreal experiences last year going to, um, I, I was, uh, in the line to go through airport security on my way to San Francisco for IGN's house party last year for their beyond 400 unlocked 200 celebration when the Supreme Court ruling came down for uh, uh, in support of gay marriage, right. and going to San Francisco oh, yeah. wow. during Pride Week because uh, wow. it was also it happened to yeah, be Pride yeah, yeah. Week. like being in San Francisco and going and seeing um, the the Pride Parade um, in in the shadow of that monumental decision. Yeah, um, like it was intensely powerful being around that, even though that in my day-to-day life doesn't affect Would have anything. no impact, but you can still feel empathy for the people who are still struggling and still address that there are very deep problems in many aspects of your country that need to be addressed, particularly the black community, and then, you know, yeah, with gay marriage up until um, the Supreme Court ruling, which thankfully made the right decision. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's so important because I think the best thing that you could do with your life as a person of privilege is reflect and figure out ways in which you can give back. Uh, because what else are you going to do? Just yeah. <laughs> sit around enjoying your privilege? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it is nice. I do. It, my privilege is nice. It is. It has afforded me many opportunities that I, I absolutely, like I've always been a weirdly, I don't know, weirdly, but like I, um, 10, 10 plus years ago, is when um, my my work with Stray Cat Theater got started, um, the theater that I went and saw the Trump card last night, um, because their director came and like worked with me on a show at ASU, and I, in kind, went and saw his work that he was doing in his own company, and immediately got like hooked, and immediately started donating them, and like I'm a poor college student working like a, a minimum wage job basically, um, and and I was giving them hundreds of dollars a year to help like support the art. So I've always been like very philanthropic in that, in that regard. And I don't know why, I don't know necessarily why I'm wired that way, but like I, I try and spread my privilege in that sense, um, uh, when I can, if I can, uh, so that others will have the opportunity to experience those things. And right. in something like theater, absolutely. It's like, I, I absolutely acknowledge and, and can recognize that yeah, it's a it's a privileged art form medium, so that like mm-hmm. most of most of my money is still going to support other white people for the right. most part. <laughs> um, but Stray Cat in particular, I, I I like supporting and and in 
because they do politically relevant work, they do um, right. socially relevant work. One of the shows they did a couple years ago was a play called The Brother's Size. Um, three African-American characters talking about um, like the struggles of being um, African-American and trying to um, uh, survive in a very like racist community that um, uh, admittedly like one of them had just come out of jail for um, uh, for a crime he had committed uh, as like a youth or something and um, uh, but he's like there aren't any white actors in the show but they the the characters themselves like role play as the white actors and so you see like the very stereotypical like southern racist sheriff that's yeah. abusing them because they have they share a complexion so you've got like the the good upright brother and then you've got the brother who's trying to rebuild his life um and they get um yeah they just get like harassed and and it was a very powerful show that um was significantly lacking in in the rest of this community uh, the theater i used to work at um just did uh, in the heights which is um was very politically relevant in term in in the sense that it was um Lynn Manuel Miranda, who does Hamilton, it was his first his first yeah, show, right? And right. Uh, and it's like it's Dominican Republic, uh, uh, Puerto Ricans. It's it's people in Washington Heights. Um, so it's very few, if any, white people in that show in that cast. Right. Um, and it is um, diverse voices that you don't normally get to hear in in uh, in the mainstream. So uh, those are the kinds of things that I've tried to support. And unfortunately, I do know that, like, even Hamilton, it's 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 a very powerful story. But it's right now, it's still a very privileged, powerful story that mostly white audiences are having to pay thousands of dollars to go see. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it will be significantly more important when it's when, like, it it's released and can be done in high schools and and uh, in communities um, that can put on their own version of those shows um, right. because of the the political discourse that I think can kind of come from hearing those other voices. Very true. Yeah. That was that was a slight derail from from <laughs> politics as politics, but um, yeah, so like uh do you do you see cuz one of the we talked earlier about um like the the 3 months or whatever I flirted with the idea of being a lawyer. Um, in the same vein, I like I, I flirted with the idea of um, running for politics. I always I've always joked I'll be 35 in 2020, so I could uh, <laughs> theoretically run for president um, in in the <laughs> next election. Right. Um, so vote snarky starky in uh, in uh, in 2020. <laughs> um, but uh, are you do you have an interest in maybe trying to pursue politics? It like law being one of the primary mm-hmm. and, and most most seemingly successful like foots in the door of the yes. political spectrum yeah if it wasn't for because politics again is just a reflection of wanting to change the world so it's like politics and policy more so policy i mean politics is what kind of the maneuvering around the creation of policy um but policy is the distillation of everything in society like all of our knowledge and all of our beliefs and ethics and thoughts and it's the creation of, you know, into bills and laws and things that will create actual change. So 
Yeah, I've always wanted to. I've never really thought about it concretely, but it's always kind of been there. And I think it's always been driven me. I would love to, you know, I want to work. Um, I don't want to work in corporate law. I want to work um, in something in the public interest as a public servant, um, either as like a crown prosecutor for, that's what we call, um, like just a crowns is for, because in Canada we're advocating on behalf of the queen. Um, yeah, you still got so that a crown attorney. Yeah, <laughs> a crown attorney, um, or as def- more of like crown attorney, and then um, yeah, or if I could work, um, you know, as a lawyer for the government, or uh, eventually influence policy in some way. That is, I mean, I don't know where my career will take me, just because it is, it is huge. <laughs> there are so many thoughts, but I mean, I, yeah, I that's always been kind of a driving force in the back of my mind. It's just kind of a natural fit again with the things that I want to pursue in terms of social justice and the way my mind works, which is um, just very academic. So I like the idea, you know, some people are similarly driven by the pursuit of truth and justice, but they, you know, become a doctor or become, you know, an advocate and they go work in third world countries and things like that. I'm, I'm an academic, but I'm also similarly driven by, know the pursuit of social justice so politics and actually affecting real change when it comes to reading dense documents and strategizing and distilling um ideas from a bunch of different disciplines i think i would just be naturally suited for i'd be a good fit for so studying the law um, and becoming a lawyer is one way to advocate for the beliefs of people essentially and advocate for clients and learning how to do that and then maybe eventually advocating for a constituency um, you know, it, it's it's a very hard thing to do. It's it's hard as a woman. It's hard as someone who's not rich and didn't go to private schools. It's very hard to do, but um, it would never be off the table for me. So it is, yeah. I mean, I have I have a long long career ahead of me. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, that's always been in the back of my mind. Well, I look forward to coming up to Canada and visiting, uh, getting a getting a tour of the Prime Minister's residence when you're right. there in like okay. 20 years. Sure. <laughs> coming to hang out and being like, yeah, she was on Trove Talk, this yeah. dumb little podcast I did way back in the day. Prime Minister Mushka. Yeah. Um, awesome. Any any last uh, touchstones, any last points we want to kind of t- bring up uh, in politics outside of just go out and vote? Obviously, it's too late for this election, but go out yeah. and vote when you, when yeah. you can. Yeah, go out and vote. Go out and, yeah, do things in between elections. Like, um, never stop never stop fighting. There are a lot of distractions in our society today. You know, there's a lot of social media, a lot of, you know, like you can watch anything you want on Netflix. You can watch movies, you can watch anything. But um, the creators who are creating these works of art that we're so fond of, even video games, there's a political message in them. Some people really rile against that. They think that games are just games and leave politics out of it. Um, but every artist, I think, in, in a form has a deeply, like, political ideas about something and they're conveying that to you and I think that you should you know fight for real change I know a lot of people are are, um, doing the um, extra life stuff this weekend and like that's a great way I mean that's not politics but that is kind of a social effort to get involved and to give back to the community and that's really all what politics is and I think that we as a generation have kind of left the idea of politics because we think of it as broken and an old system and we are doing new social campaigns online through like Patreon and like through Kickstarter and all that stuff and it's great but I think that at the end of the day a lot of important decisions are being made in these stuffy old corridors of power and we need to 
as much as we like, you know, just doing video games and all that stuff, we need to turn our eyes sometimes to those systems to kind of revolutionize them and help change them. And it's not flashy, it's not sexy, it's not immediate. Change like that will not become immediate, but it takes a lot of hard work. But I encourage you to to just keep your eye on keep your eye on things and always think critically and fight for real change in a virtual world. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I love. Yes, <laughs> that's my political. But slogan. <laughs> but, but recognize that a tweet isn't necessarily going to cut it. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I I I remember um, like one of the few times I've really gotten into like I've gotten bombarded with like Gamergate kind of people yelling yeah. at me who okay. I don't know or anything is right. I I made a tweet at some point about like God I wish. I wish gamer gators cared as much about like ethics in politics as they did about ethics in journalism. Yeah. Um, because then their voices might actually like mean something. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I'm like, oh, but their voices are really scary, and they're right, yeah. they're angry for all the wrong reasons. They would be um, the person. They would be the people yelling like lock they, they, her up they, and yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. that's like the alt right, the angry, yeah. the angry people. But I mean, you're you're completely right because it is such a delusional um, pursuit of justice that they're doing to care about. I mean, it's not important, and that is something that I kind of struggle with because I do believe in the power of art, as I think you and I both do, to mm-hmm. create social change. You with your background in theater, and now as a video game writer, um, absolutely, there's a power in art that you know, science or whatever, like, these other things are important. Science, politics, economics are important, but art plays an important role in, for people to understand social justice. Like, Hamilton, again, has great message about social yeah. justice and is going to change a lot of people's lives. And that's amazing. Like, video games are going to change a lot of people's lives, and, and they and they have a power to do that, too. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, becoming a video game journalist, maybe, is just not not where I see myself best contributing to social justice. And so that's why I've kind of, you know, flirted back and forth with the idea of, you know, doing the video game thing or doing the law thing. And why I've kind of, I think, hopefully <laughs> settled on the law thing um, because I believe that that's the best way for me, at least, to change things. And I'm not saying that that's the best way for everyone, but, um, but yeah, Ed, the Gamer Gators are delusional. TLDR, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, great. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that can kind of close out mm-hmm. politics. Yeah. <laughs> the, one of the most, one of the most serious of the topics we've actually had on the show so far. And I thank you so much for, no for bringing it to the table and, and us getting to have kind of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's I, like, I, I love, I love the topic and I love discussing it with people. Um, even, even if it's discussing it with people that I disagree with. Um, I enjoy the conversation, and it's a conversation that um, we can't have over social media. And it's like, uh, and uh, because it's you can't make you can't have you can't argue 140 characters at a time. Um, uh, and I recognize that, but so many people don't, and they think they're going to get their their message across, and um, and it's too like it. The the ideas are too big to fit within a tweet exactly. or a series of tweets yeah. or. Or kind of the the uh, like the the idea of like a big social media post. Um, so many people just and and I like I I'm I fall victim to it too. I'm posting to speak to the people who are already like minded like me. I'm not. I know I'm not like changing minds when I do that. Right. That's going to be something that has to be a conversation or it has to be experienced. Um, 
uh, and I recognize that, and I and that's why like I will I will debate with somebody over like a tweet or two, but then I'm gonna say hey like I can't do this in in like bite sized chunks, so we can take this you know into like DMs or something, and like mm-hmm. let's let's hash it out there. Um, and not only are we like then avoiding you know making everything we're we're like putting everything through the public lens of of a Twitter or something like that, but also we can just have a conversation about it and not um, just fire back quick little sound bites. And I think that's part of I I, I definitely think social media has helped kind of um, uh, add to the cynicism of. Um, especially like our generation uh, in in the conversation right. um, because it is all soundbite driven these mm-hmm. days and it isn't people like you said earlier people aren't doing the research they aren't they're speaking to a policy they know nothing about because they haven't actually looked at it they've just said well I saw this meme that said this so that must have been true um, so I'm going to continue spouting that yeah um, it's sad and it's frightening like what do we do about this generation of people who are growing up on just reading, you know, small bite-sized tweets or, you know, our society is becoming more and more, like, based on infographics and, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, and so what do we do about all this policy that's being passed and it's, like, dense and, like, there's a lot of reading involved and you have to, and and no one's being trained with that. So what do we do? There's such a disconnect between what's actually going on. I will say, though, in that, I mean, on that, like, this generation versus past generations um there there have always there are there's always an uninformed portion of the electorate um, true. and it's it's this is the new way that we can see and identify those people but like my aunt and and i give her i've given her crap for this for um a, uh let's see not since 92 since i was like seven because um, she insist she was going to vote for ross perot in the 1992 election, uh, and and I remember seven-year-old Trevor not knowing anything, but um, knowing that well, you should vote for George Bush because that's who mom and dad are voting for. Right. Um, and 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 she didn't really know why she was voting for Ross Perot. She uh-huh. couldn't she couldn't argue it. And she couldn't articulate it. And like every election since then, has there has been a huge like she as a member of an older generation votes largely in lockstep with whoever my grandmother tells her to vote for and says who she should vote for. Um, and so that's been, like, that she doesn't know why. She just votes for... It's true, yeah. ...whoever somebody else has told her to vote for. Yeah. Um, and it's... So it's not it's not unique to our generation. It's not new to our generation. Oh, and the... the uh, I was listening to NPR not too long ago, and they, mm-hmm. they were talking about studies that show that um, historically just when you're... 20 to 35 you're just not as as politically active it's not this generation it was last generation it was the baby boomers when they were in that age they just you don't get invested in politics because you're you're still in the i'm invincible phase of your life yeah and nothing that the world does can affect me um and so that's what most of us are dealing with and most of my parents generation and their parents generation were dealing with in that span of time and then once you know you you kind of grow out of that um so like we are certainly kind of odd ducks in that in that regard that we are at we try and be as informed as we can be and and as active as we can be um uh, but it's not a new thing that 
you know, 20 somethings and millennials um, just don't care about politics in the same way that baby boomers did. Right, um, right, right. No, no that's true. I agree. I agree. Turnout is I always low in that age because of <laughs> everything else that, that people in that age range are, are, uh, are looking at. Right. We might, we might even be like higher because everybody is so disenfranchised and looking for something to do. I mean, you might see an uptick in third party support or, you know, you see people like Bernie Sanders coming into the conversation yes. that four years ago or or eight years ago or 12 years ago wouldn't have had a, a shot no. because of the our generation looking for things outside the norm of politics. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, it's 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 not new. It is it is like cycles repeating just like Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tying it all together. Yeah, exactly. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, since I'm not going to top that, um, topic number four, Trove Topics. This is where uh, people tweet out and uh, and and ask questions for us. Uh, I sent out a tweet uh, a couple hours before we, we sat down and, and got some, some feedback from, uh, from the audience. People have some questions. Um, first question up from Frank Bazzani at Irrelevant Jokes asks, Why is she so awesome? referring to you and Thank what you. games are you is she excited for playing this fall so why are you so awesome Allie and what are you excited for this fall <laughs> I don't know about being awesome <laughs> well it's 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 fact it's it's established fact Frank has said it I so, uh, echo the sentiment and I know I, many that do <laughs> yeah um I just try my best and I try to be a good person <laughs> I think that's why and I try to be open and honest with people I think that's just the best thing that you can do um, and then in terms of games, I'm probably going to be, um, a little hermit until I get into law school. So right now I'm applying to law school and I think that I'm going to like take a step back from and games. I'm pretty much just probably just going to be playing Hearthstone and maybe eventually I'll get around to the Dark Souls 3 DLC, but I'm looking forward to the new Dark Souls expansion. Um, that's going to come out. Dark Souls, I mean, not Dark Souls, Hearthstone expansion. Um, that's going to come out. Um, I'm excited for that. I w- I'm excited for the Skyrim remaster. I know that already came out, but um, I just don't have the money to buy it yet. But I want to buy that. And then, other than that, I don't know. There's nothing really that's coming out. That, like, is anything even like, what are the big, like, what are you excited about? What's coming out in the fall? Um, I mean, in the, in the fall, uh, like Final Fantasy um, 15. It's it's not so much I'm excited about it, but I know uh, my lifelong love of Final Fantasy. I'll okay. sit down and, and play it. Sure. Um, I've been so I've been in a uh, in a kick where I'm going through and playing like a lot of the shooters right now. Um, so this week I've been playing. I played uh, Battlefield One. I played through Titanfall Two's campaign. Oh yeah. Um, Again, I'm I've, not into shooters, so I don't really yeah. play those. No, a- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, so. Like Dishonored Two, um, I'm excited for more or less. Um, I'm hoping it it uh, it builds. I, I really enjoyed the first game, so I'm hoping it builds on on the next. Yeah, like right. Skyrim's one where I like I I poured hundreds of hours into Skyrim, but yeah. I also don't feel like I need to go back and re-experience that again. So sure. sit, I'm sitting that one out. Um, but yeah, like Final Fantasy 15, and um, specifically, probably my most anticipated game at this point is Persona Five, um, which doesn't come out this fall, but um, I'll, I'm sure I'll be putting a lot of time into that next year. Um, cool. And I'm also gonna like I'm, I've, I've got PlayStation VR, so um, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll be sitting down and, and devoting some more time to a lot of those experiences that are that are still kind of slowly trickling out. Um, 
I want to I want to sit down with uh, Undertale, which uh, I first started playing late last year, early this mm-hmm. year, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I just haven't like sat down and played it. Um, but I've heard such great things that I want to. That's certainly on my list to get through by the end of the year. Um, so yeah, that's cool. that's probably what I'm I'm excited for. Um, I think you're awesome because you have uh, you are incredibly smart, um, incredibly eloquent in in how you articulate your smartness, uh, <laughs> intelligence, whatever you know the smartness, um, and uh, and just a, a fascinating perspective that uh, that we've, that I I have I do not get to engage in right. all that much. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. That's that's why I think you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, up next, uh, Brandon Gan has a has a few questions uh, at Games Gan. Um, uh, has Love IRL gone live yet? So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, Love IRL. It has really not. Um, and I and I've had this discussion with my co-host Alex O'Neill. Um, at around the time, again, I, of course, I decided to launch um, a dating podcast in a time where a particularly painful period in my own personal love life. Um, so I'm kind of recuperating from that. And so it'll go live when I've kind of gone out of the funk that I'm in right now. Um, it's just now too personally painful to really edit that at this time and go live and I feel I wouldn't feel genuine like promoting our first episode yet so I've had this discussion with Alex and it'll go live hopefully in in the next couple weeks but um yeah it's just a bunch of things came together and it's just not something that I really want to release right now when I'm not particularly feeling up to it if that makes sense so it hasn't gone live yet but it will um, just give me a, a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly a very personal, um, endeavor that you, you guys are kind of going on yeah, and, and yeah, I yeah. applaud you for the bravery of, of giving relationship advice while like all of us, you're going through your own struggles. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, uh, take, take the time you need on it. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm already subscribed and i'll listen to it as soon as it goes out there so thank um, you <laughs> when, whenever it does i look forward to, it, to hearing hearing you what you guys have to say on yes on things um <laughs> cool uh his second question is what is one thing in gaming that you're most excited for be it a game an event etc we kind of, we touched on this a little bit you're kind of taking some maybe some some personal time away from gaming yeah. but is there anything um anything out there that like any any events like are you would you do you think you'll be um making the trip back to uh san francisco should a kind of funny live three happen next year i don't know um at this point i would say no um it'll probably change um i think some space is what i need right now i'm kind of excited right now i i was supposed to go to pxx i made the decision to not go to that either um just I don't know I don't handle things particularly well sometimes and that's just what I've decided that I needed to do is just kind of take a break um but I mean you know it happens I mean if I was a stronger person I wouldn't necessarily be doing that but it's just right now I'm just something that I can't personally deal with um so I'm excited to rediscover games as not part of the culture but just as 
kind of going back to before the days of Twitter and before the days of me doing stuff for YouTube and before the days of conferences and shows and stuff and just kind of rediscovering just playing games that I love and not necessarily feel the pressure to tweet about it or like do an Instagram about it or whatever or do YouTube about it and just rediscover that and then um kind of funny live three will be uh again like you know that I feel like I've made a lot of progress in the community and it kind of sucks to throw that away uh but it'll it's really about protecting myself and whether I feel like it's something that I want to deal with because those shows it's it is hard I mean I could go as kind of but I do know a lot of people there and um so yeah I'll see Sorry, I think we, I think I lost you there for a second. Okay. Um, or, or, or froze, it froze up, so I didn't know if you were, if you, right. had, you, you had finished. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would say, I mean, definitely, and, and we've talked about this a little bit offline, but um, absolutely, like, take care of yourself. Um, that's kind of the, the most mm. important. Like, don't put yourself in situations that you're going to feel weird in or uncomfortable in, um, uh, be, it, be it events or be it, you know, whatever. Um, certainly, absolutely, like, focus on Allie. Um, and then, you know, if you want to, if, if, if you're in a good place and you want to kind of, um, you know, come, come say hi, we will all of course uh, welcome you with open arms, but we don't want to like myself and, and speaking on behalf of everybody, because that's (laughs) what I do. Um, you know, no, we like, we absolutely don't want to make things worse for you. Um. I don't think any, I I don't think anybody would. So, um, so yeah, like do, do what you got to do. And if, if we end up seeing you there, awesome. If not, then we we will certainly try and communicate with you in some way and say how much we miss you. Exactly. Yeah. You guys have my, (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely taking a step back like publicly. So if there are people who are trying to get in touch with me at this period, like, you know, at this point I kind of have my friends and I have the people who like, you know, I talk to kind of, um, off Twitter and stuff. So there have been people who have been kind of like, where is Allie? Like on Twitter. And I'm sorry. It's just, uh, at this point, I just need to take a step back and, you know, talk to the close friends like you and like people like Joey and Tom and, and Alex O'Neill and just like, you know, the people who I know have my back, um, because it is always hard dealing with kind of like new people, like, cause you don't really know <laughs> like what, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking a step back and yeah, but I'm okay. sure by then I'll probably be fine, but it'll be, I'm kind of hoping that one day it'll be so fine that like I can just completely <laughs> move on, um, and not feel the need to like, you know, be part of it all again. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I, I hope so as well for you. Um, yeah. Uh, so Brandon's uh, last question that pops up is, uh, how can you all, how are you all so nice? Every day I'm blown away by the kind words and can't wait to meet at KFL3. So it, Brandon will miss you if you don't make it to KFL3. Right, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure he'll understand because he is as well one of the nice ones as I'm sure you've interacted with him on uh, on Twitter. Um, exactly. I, I, yeah, like, I do. I mean, my, my take on like why we're all quote unquote nice is um, I mean, like so many of us are meeting and have met through like the, the beyond community or the, the uh, kind of funny community where like our, the kind of the figureheads being Greg um, really emphasizes the best friends um, Absolutely. Yeah. identity. And they really try and like, they, 
they say if you're going to be a jerk, we don't want you. Um, and so we've kind of done what we can to kind of self-regulate the community um, and keep ourselves being like a group of nice people that are fun to hang out with and that we want to spend time with. Um, exactly. So I like I think that's kind of where the the perceived niceness comes in. I mean, we have like we have bad days, and I'm certainly a jerk to some people. I'm sure out there, um, and and some people. Like, I know that some people out there think I'm a jerk when I'm not intending to be a jerk just because Mm of uh, miscommunications and whatnot. Um, Yeah, as you become become deeper into the community, you'll, you know, there'll be more internal, like, squabbles between us and, like, fights and the things that happen. But at least as an ambassador of the community, we always conduct ourselves at, like, the highest standard of friendship and niceness and community and openness openness um even you know if some of us don't actually do that in our personal lives it's still that's what being a kind of funny member of the community like almost as an ambassador right it's like going back to politics like as ambassador of our country or like as a group then that's what we sell because our president miller (laughs) that's the that's the motto right that's the agenda in which you operate as a member of this community um so that will be the line and that would be the message that you receive from everyone. That is how you act or else we don't want you. And I think it's it's great. I mean, like Greg is Superman in the way that um, I, why I've always liked Superman as a hero is that he knows that there is strength in empathy and there is strength in kindness and that you can create a successful gaming video game company um, out of based on that premise, essentially a premise of family and of empathy and of kindness and of relation to people. And so the more powerful they get and the more proper they get, it's great because it's promoting that message that kindness and anti-bullying and acceptance for people, at least outwardly, is a message that sells. And I will say, you know, I'll be the first one to say that a lot of what goes on behind the scenes is not that. Yeah. It's not. That's It's that's, not. Yeah, there there are certainly... And it's, it's something that I, like... I fall victim to and I try and fight against, but I know that I do fall victim to it. But of course, are, because it's those... just human. It's just yeah. human to not always be so, so angelic and so nice. Yeah. And we all have that that pettier side or whatever. And there there are best friends, you know, talking shit about other best friends and doing bad things to other best friends and things that, you know, as, as families do. But at least outwardly, I think it's very positive to have that message that goes Oh, on. yeah. And, and, I mean, certainly the, like, it... I mean, especially if, like, your only interactions are on social media. I mean, like, most of us, most people, uh, I mean, especially in a community where, yes, the, the, the impetus is, like, be nice or we don't want you. Everybody's yeah. going to put their their best face forward out there. Exactly. Um, I yeah. mean, like, even, even like, myself, I, like, I look at my, my moniker of Snarky Starky, and I created that at a time when I was much more cynical and much, like m- m- like much snarkier. And I can still right. be snarky, but I try and avoid being snarky at people. I will be snarky at an idea or at like an institution um, or at, like a, a business or a, like a game or something like that. But sure. I definitely try and like um, and and I like I've I've fallen prey to it where I like I will make a snarky joke at somebody's expense and then. Like somebody will call me on it, and I will be like, "Oh yeah, no, you're right. That was a dick thing to do." Uh, and I like, I'll I'll try and like own up to it and apologize for it, and think better of it the next time out. But yeah, like the uh, there is the there is that public facing persona. Um, yes. Compared to like uh, like usually people who are getting my scorn kind of um, behind the scenes, I think 
it like I like to think it's coming from a place of well they're they're being a jerk so like I'm going to call them out on being a jerk. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's also just some personality conflicts here and there occasionally that of course, uh, which is going to happen. I mean, it's yeah. just natural. But yeah, it's like yeah. So I think we have yeah. I think there was a good kind of under, understanding of the, like the kind of funny community. As I mean, we are both kind of veterans at yep. this point. We've both been there since day one, essentially, and it's very interesting to see uh, this community grow and expand and introduce new people. Um, into that um, um, I know we've, we've kind of had conversation about this um, for me I think it is important to not lose yourself and not use it too much of a crutch because although we all do sell ourselves on friends and family personally I've experienced the dangers of isolating yourself from other people and not giving your chance at a real life um, outside of that and then relying too much on those people um, because at the end of the day, you know, still fight for real relations, even though they might not be, you know, might not have the understanding that we do in a kind of funny community. And it's great. Like we're all very similar, but um, make sure that you don't get sucked too far in because at least to me, it's at the end of the day, I mean, I've met some amazing people, but it's still not a real family. It's like a kind of funny family, but it's not the real family. Um, And, you know, there have been times, definitely, again, now especially, I have kind of like relied exclusively on the kind of funny family for a lot of things. And I think now I'm trying to kind of distance myself a little bit from it and try to develop relationships outside that. So just be warned that it may not always work out in your favor if you do completely buy into the idea that we're all family and we're all best friends and that's all I need. Um, definitely fight for some some real life local people as well, which is what I'm trying to do. Um, it's very hard, but I think it's important. Yeah, no, definitely, and that like even so, I, yeah, I I very much traded in um, in a in an effect. I traded in like the theater community that I used to be much more ingrained in, and the people mm-hmm. that I would see every week at the bar, and we talk about the shows we were working on or seeing or whatever. Um, uh, and so I, I had a much more personal connection with those people but it was also oftentimes a much more toxic connection because there was even more you know shit talking going on kind of behind the scenes and and that kind of stuff um and ultimately um doing a show and like becoming really close with people for like four weeks or eight weeks or whatever however long we were in rehearsals and then performing the show um and then immediately everybody splitting off and going on to new projects ended up like being really rough on me mentally and and emotionally in the long term right because it was yeah. i'm putting all this investment into making new friends and then we all go our separate ways and i i'm the kind of person that would still try and like hang on to those friendships and i would try and go and support them and and be like see whatever they were doing but i wasn't getting that reciprocated back to me um right and so that that became like i was giving more than i was getting um and so when I, when I was stepping away from that naturally, um, the kind of funny thing, whole, like that whole thing started up and, and there was probably a, a good four or five months there where I just wasn't talking to any of my theater people and I was just kind of a lurker in the community, um, mm-hmm. like as it was starting up until, really until probably kind of funny live, um, uh, I was content just kind of being solitary, um, but now I, like, I, I've made friends through the community and and yeah like we'll we'll still 
um, you know, we'll have our fights and, and whatnot. Um, and I definitely recognize that being only a digitally digital community, um, certainly doesn't give you everything you need in a friendship and a relationship, uh, or at least everything I need in a relationship. I, I definitely don't want to speak to people, speak for people who might, Absolutely. who might get yeah. everything out of it by just kind of the Twitter, Twitter interactions. But for yeah. me, I do need that kind of one-on-one contact. That is like, that is part of my introversion is that I need to have good conversations with people, which again okay. is kind of what fuels this show is, right. is a one-on-one, like just getting to sit down with somebody and talk to them um, and kind of find out what makes them tick. Um, or just talk about anything and everything, I still need that. And so that's why, even more than, like, the the networking component of trying to get into the industry, that's why I've chosen to go to so many events in the last year, um, yeah. is so that I am supplementing the digital interactions and the DMs and whatnot with the FaceTime that, that I, um, as a, as Trevor, needs um, out, of, out of kind of these relationships. And there are people that like I've become really, really close to in the community and then we've gone separate ways. Uh, and there are people that I've never met, but I like consider them great friends just through our, our digital interactions and hope to get to meet them at some point and have those conversations with them. And then there are other people that I've never interacted with digitally and then we'll meet at a show and we'll talk and, and they, they might not know me. I, I don't know them. Um, but we'll sit down and like, we have this kind of common language at least through, through kind of funny. And so I can sit down and talk to somebody that I've never met for two hours and have a great fulfilling chat with them and become, it is amazing. Become a new friend it is them. amazing. It's like nothing else. Like it's, and it's so hard to describe to other people what it's like to just kind of have these instant friends. And then it, it makes like, for me, it's very hard. Like it's almost so hard because it's like, well, when I'm just meeting like random people on the street, it's like it's nowhere near that level of connection and like friendship and interest that I find for these people. But again, at the same time, it's like, well, you know, I kind of need to try. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, and, and th- yeah, that's the like I, as much as I, even even I use the the um, the idea of like I traded in a my theater community for the the mm-hmm. gaming community, I yeah. can still like I'll still go and see a show. And like last night, and I'll see three people that um, I I saw. Uh, I ran into well the the actor uh, Ron, friend of mine, the house manager Brooke, friend of mine, like two of my best friends in that community, uh, and then two other friends that I've done shows with were there, and a guy that I used to do shows with who lives in Chicago for the most part, but happens to be out here working on a show, happened to be there. So I had like five conversations with people um, nice. that I still like. I can immediately like jump back in and figure out what like hey what are you up to what have you been doing what like are you right. working on something what's what's new in your world so I do I'm fortunate in that I do still if I so choose have that at my disposal I can go to a show I can go to the bar and know that I'm going to run p- into people at the bar um, and I nice. just I I tend to lean into my introversion a little bit more than I think you're looking to at the moment. Um, and yeah. so I'm, I'm quite content to just be like, yep, I'm going to I'm gonna stay in and play video games tonight. Works for me. No, I know. I know. I used to be that way, but now I'm kind of out of necessity. I have to <laughs> not be that way. Yeah. Um, just fight for something else. Yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, so next up, we have uh, Ryan Murray at Ryan MKE 
asks to please recap the great pineapple pizza debate of 2016. Um, I don't recall. Were you in on the pineapple pizza debate? Did you did you weigh in on this, or is this completely I mean, out? You have no idea. I have weighed in. I know. I know. Generally, this is like a big thing in the kind of funny community, yeah. and I have like generally weighed in that I think I like pineapple on pizza. Um, I think Hawaiian pizza or whatever is good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, like I'm. It's not. It's not my first choice, but I'm fine with it. And yeah. and the as I recall, the polls um, supported that. Uh, so yeah. somebody like Joey Noel out there who thinks I'm pretty sure she was on the anti Hawaiian pizza I think side so. of things. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. she just has to suck it up <laughs> and let people like what they like. Um, <laughs> Joey's a great person, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely, that? she Joey's is like phenomenal. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. Joey's Joey's one of the good ones, even yeah. though she likes bombing this show with just inside jokes and stuff. Um, right. <laughs> leading into the next one. Which uh, so I've got I've got an entire thread here that was Frank Bazzani at Irrelevant Jokes, Joey Noel at Joey Noel, uh, Cameron Abbott at Unsexiest Comedy, Ben Bellevue at Mister Underscore Bento Box, and Moses Tavares at Platano Ranger or Platino Ranger. Um, all of them ask us and and, all great and support it absolutely. All great people um, <laughs> ask how would she rank the Fast and Furious movies. Fast. <laughs> they are fast. It's number one. <laughs> and then Furious is number two. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I've never, I think I've seen one, the latest one, where like Paul Walker or whatever, he's died after the filming of it or whatever. So they had that music. It's been a long time without you, like at the mm-hmm. end of it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was, I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> there you go. I So I've seen the first one. You've seen the last one. Um, so that's how we would each rank all of them. It yeah. Is, um, the first one is better than all of the ones I haven't seen, and the seventh one is better than all the ones you haven't seen. By default, seven, and then all the other yeah. ones. And so hopefully people will stop trying to ask about Fast and Furious questions on this show. Because they... Uh, or or I will just succumb and start a Fast and Furious podcast and watch through movie it'll be it'll be a seven episode podcast i'll hop on with somebody and i'll be like okay i watched the first one here are my thoughts i watched the second one here are my thoughts i watched the third and just get it over with but um, stop asking about fast and furious joey noel right um uh and then uh we had a late edition that came in uh while we were recording that i threw in here uh pixel brave our friend christian at pixel brave um asked just figured i'd get a cue in uh, I guess, does Allie have any plans on revisiting doing vlogs again in the future? Could she talk about what she took away from that experience? And uh, and we already, he, are, he also asked about PSX. We've already covered that you're not planning on attending that show at, mm-hmm, at, uh, mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, we've touched yes. a little bit on your vlogs and, and just kind of the general mm-hmm. hiatus that you're you're kind of going on. So, yeah. um, But what, I mean, do you want to speak to kind of what you took away from, from doing those uh, those experiences? Vlogging is, I mean, generally I took away that vlogging is hard, but very rewarding. Um, It's hard. You don't realize how boring your day is until you set a task to vlog all of it. And then you're like, day one is kind of exciting. Then you're like, shit, seven more days. I generally don't do anything during the day. I generally just kind of sit on my computer. So I need to actively try to make things interesting and let you into my life a little bit more. But I absolutely love it. Um, I think if I was going to return i mean it would be really cool i think it'd be just really cool to keep up the vlogs like when i go to law school too and just keep it up because it is kind of like writing a diary and i really do it 
for myself more than anything and um, just to keep a record of memories and what I do what I'm feeling at the time and one day I can look back and like if it's gonna be weird how much access our kids are gonna have to us and our grandkids like they're gonna be able to go to my youtube channel and be like this is what mom was like thinking and doing like back in the day. Like it's going to be so weird, right? Like this conversation, like, yeah. hello kids. Like, <laughs> yes. Hello no, future like, children. Thanks for, thanks for tuning so... in and adding to the, the view count. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so weird. Right. So just those memories. Um, and I think it's great just sharing, like opening up and just, I, I love it. I mean, vlogging is hard because again, it's hard to like make yourself interesting and it is not, I mean, it's a different alley. It's not really the real alley. It's like vlogging alley because, you know, it, just naturally you do different things when you're vlogging versus your day-to-day -day life. But I think it is pretty authentic. And I think I would love to, um, you know, just keep vlogging for my whole life. Like never to really stop and just keep sharing it on YouTube and just keep sharing it with people. And I think that's something that I'm always going to do. Um, I think it's a great experience. Yeah. I'd be, I'm curious and, and feel free to, like take a pass on this question, but kind of um, mm -hmm. knowing some of the conversations and some of the, the hardships and frustrations you've been dealing with, um, were you ever, was there ever a, a thought in your head to be like, screw it, I'm going to vlog about this because it's what's on my mind and I think other people yes. should hear what's going on and, and what's, yeah. what you're And that's you're probably with. been the hardest thing about, essentially there's a, there's like, emotional period of my life that's been going on for a long time and you know about it probably more than most people um but I haven't been able to really talk about it and I think if you go with kind of if you knew and you backtracked and looked at a lot of the stuff that I've been doing you'd be able to figure it out that in a way I have been talking about it but I haven't really been talking about it and that's been one of the things that's been so hard because it's another thing that I feel like my power has been taken from me because my power is essentially just speaking my mind and speaking about everything that's going on in my life. And I can't really just because of the people implicated and just the nature of like, yeah, just like social media and not really wanting to talk about it. Whereas I, I, I otherwise totally would. Um, so that's been, that's been very, very difficult. And, but yeah, I just, something that yeah that comes with but yeah there have been times where I just I'm like ah, I just you know talk about it but never seriously hmm. but yeah yeah no I like because I remember the first um as, as somebody who didn't play Dark Souls um one of your first videos that I actually watched was your um when we when we all came back from kind of funny live too um you you had like you started to do a vlogging series of of your time there. And I remember like just you recording while we were at kind of funny live too, a lot. Um, and then, so you released like a first episode and then that was one of those projects that like you moved on to other things. And so I was like, exactly. I always yeah. wanted to see kind of what the rest of your week was like there. Um, and, yes. and kind of what, what, cause uh, I mean, it was, and again, that was probably also coming in a time where like I was just getting to know you better really outside of, um, outside of the community and we were talking and so it was like it was in the same way that like one of the reasons I, I'm looking forward to and and um, and experiencing love IRL is getting to getting to learn about you um, and and Alex in ways that I don't that we we don't necessarily talk about, or even if we do talk about it, it, it it's it's still going to be, there will still be new nuggets in there that, that I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so like, that's, 
that is a little bit how I like I'm enjoying building a lot of the friendships by um, seeing what like everybody else is interested in by like what they creative, talk about yeah. and what they like what what they present to the world about themselves like that's I know yeah. I again like there's definitely a social media persona to all of us that we're that we're presenting um, even mm-hmm. in this that isn't um, you know we could totally say fuck it and name names and talk about all the shit that we're like we're kind of yeah. like vaguely talking about here um, but exactly. but yeah there is there is politics hey tying it again tying it all back together there there are <laughs> yeah. personal politics involved that we certainly don't want to kind of um, you know step on this unbroken code we don't want to we don't want to trump it up and just say whatever vomit can come out of our mouths um, exactly, because exactly, yeah. it does affect other people um, mm-hmm. and so sometimes you know it 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 sucks that we have to bite our tongues a little bit, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're doing it in essence for the greater good, I guess. Um, yeah. because, you know, if you've got heroes in the community or something, you don't want to, you don't want to like be the one tearing those statues down necessarily. Um, yeah. even yeah, though yeah, yeah. You, know, you might, we might like tag it, um, and, and throw some spray paint on there, but like, we'll do it in a way that's, you know, that isn't um, necessarily like that. Can, that can't be tied back to us. Um, right. We'll do it in a schemy, sneaky way. Um, uh, so yeah, that's 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 certainly um, uh, going back to to all that. Like I I love getting to see what people want to present themselves as. Um, right. Because there's certainly truth to that. As as like yeah. as as somebody who's studied performance for a decade plus um even what we're putting up on stage even even a character that i'm playing has me in it um yeah and it's it's like i like trying to decipher that and figure out okay what like like if i'm watching the game over greggy show okay what's like what's the real greg what's greg amping up at um and and same with colin and tim and nick and, and kevin even yeah um all of them kind of like what what is the hint of truth in there? Because it's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. like, that's what I like to latch on to. but also just like, I, I, I mean, I love getting to hear people tell stories. Um, that's why I love, yeah. I love the podcast format. So, um, uh, love, that's love nice. being a part of it. Love now hosting it and getting to yeah. share stories with people and share their stories with uh, a community, mm-hmm. a growing community. So well, thank you. Um, thank you so much, Allie. Uh, for yes, for joining thank me, thank you for having me on. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, especially as you as you go into your little Heidi Hermit hole. Um, uh, th- like, uh, th- I mean, if this ends up being like the last thing you do outside of like Love IRL, then I had quite the get. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, it very well maybe. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, I, I, like you know, I'm I'm there if you ever need me or any anything in that in in that regard, public, pi- private, whatever. Of course, and, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and I appreciate like the the things that you've allowed me to confide in with you uh, and the friendship that we've kind of fostered throughout um, as yeah. a result of this community and, and everything that's been going on. Um, so go ahead if you do decide you want people like still following you or, or interacting with you. Oh, if you yeah, want to do if you want to do like the final your final like round of plugs ever maybe. <laughs> yeah, where can where yeah. can people find you, can... you Allie? <laughs> Find it. I'm, I'm that little fly on the internet. I don't know for how much longer that will exist as I kind of transition into 
going to law school and perhaps pursuing different things but um that little fly on twitter um youtube.com slash ali mishka and um you can also follow my love irl podcast which is a dating podcast um at love irl cast also on twitter and uh yeah that's pretty much the gateway to everything that i've done so far and yeah and if people want to be part <laughs> of love irl because you guys take questions mm. and, and you take feedback it's true it's at gmail also love irl cast at gmail.com and then on our twitter there's a link to our tumblr which is also love irl cast.tumblr.com and you can submit questions there and also be our twitter if you want <laughs> yay excellent well, thank you again ali um it's always a pleasure and uh uh for for what's going on here um uh you can follow me at snarky starky on twitter uh you can follow the show at trove talk uh, you can see whatever i've been working on writing over at trevortrove.com um we are on uh, i i don't know if i remembered to plug this last time with danny um <laughs> but we're on like i'm on soundcloud and and itunes and stuff now i'm getting out to the the audio network so you can actually listen to the full episode um in your earbuds instead of just watching the youtube videos which is how uh how we'd started but the youtube videos tend to still be a little bit more bite size even though we're you know talking about a sometimes often three to four hour show <laughs> um uh but yeah that's uh that's what i've been up to um i hit 300 uh 365 days of writing uh, in this last week so like two weeks ago now by the time you're listening to this probably um so you can check those those little like reflective pieces that i put out up on uh, on trevor trove one was titled where i've been and then the next one was titled where i'm going uh looking ahead to the future and yeah other than that um thank you everybody who threw in some questions thank you especially to uh frank bazani at relevant jokes for actually using the hashtag trove topics um it Yay. did it did not go uh, unnoticed um and yeah, uh, other than that, um, from all of us here at the Trove, treasure your friends. Aww. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I, that's, that's something, like Brandon gave me something to that effect, and that's, that's yeah. what I've, I'm morphing it into at the moment. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>